0: hey there welcome to motorcycles and misfits coming to you from the well i was gonna say the recycle garage in sunny santa cruz california yes we're in santa cruz and yes it was quite sunny but the garage is closed for COVID, so coming to you from the Motorcycles and Misfits studio is the official introduction here. Hey everyone, this is Liza, how you doing? Ooh, got another big show, another very big show, um, and a bunch of misfits, so what? let's get to them. Hello Miss Emma, how are you? Hello, darling. Good
1: evening from Marina, California. Christmas is coming and Emma's getting (laughs) fat. So, um, yes, I'm working on my Christmas term. It's coming along nicely. Um, Little chilly here in Marina today. I don't know how it was in Santa Cruz.
0: Not so bad. And I know what you mean. I feel like I'm becoming an alcoholic and my alcohol is Diet Coke. (laughs)
1: Nothing wrong with that, darling.
0: Yeah, I'm just drinking more than I used to, but I'm just sitting home I'm just watching TV and slugging Diet Coke. Well, let's get to, uh, oh, always cheerful and happy to see him. It's Bagel.
2: Greetings from Vanita. I actually got out and had a chance to ride yesterday. Yay. We had a break from the rain. Yay.
0: Nice. And then uh, coming to us from his shed, it's Naked Jim.
3: Hey, hey, hey. In sunny Santa Cruz, California. It was beautiful today. It is kind of killing me, though. We're trying to do the right thing and lay low with the shelter-in-place order. But the dirt right now is the best it's been, you know, in months and months and months. It's killing me. I want to go to the Sierras and ride dirt bikes. So soon enough, soon enough, staying alive now.
0: uh, I know. I know exactly what you mean. And uh, let's see. Coming to us from sunny Auburn, California, it's Rick
4: hi i'm rick it's kind of sunny here it's it's pretty cold that's for sure and and the dirt is pretty epic <clears throat> the uh uh-huh. the two-wheel contingency is quite excited the railroad tracks are getting jumped everybody's it's a joy <laughs>
1: uh, um, um, if i could just jump season. in i mean define the dirt being epic because to me dirt is like brown and soily
0: oh that's the good um, dirt
1: does it
3: it's like cake batter like a like a so little dry idea. crumbly cake batter like post
4: that rain like a day or two after once it all like kind of soaks in there and it's looking all
3: good yeah, that, cake that's, that's batter instead of, of asphalt
1: so <laughs> i mean is, is there is there an optimum soil to mud ratio that yeah. we should be looking at it's for? about
0: having some moisture in there so it gets sticky as opposed to dry and sandy
3: yeah yeah. Oh, I like moisture. And I thought you were up. talking about Liza's underpants for a second.
0: <laughs> oh, oh my god!
5: <laughs> <laughs> that is the
3: worst Me? thing I ever heard. You Should see
0: it for God's sake. Oh, you guys are the worst. Um, and let's get to our stunt misfit of the evening. It's our one, Rich. How you doing, Rich?
6: Hi, Eliza. I'm doing great. We went for a breakfast ride this morning. I invited a few guys over, and we had uh, donuts and coffee, and then we rode south along the coast, uh, East Cliff Drive, uh, Capitola, uh, Seascape, uh, Rio Del Mar, and then all the way out uh, San Andreas to Beach Street Road or Beach Road, and then we came back Highway 1. So it was really nice, couple-hour ride. It was great. The bay looked.
0: Beautiful. Nice. Well, I yeah, I I'll be honest. I have chosen to um, respect the mandate and just stay home. I figured not the time to go out if you don't have to. But also, you know, I'm saying if people need to go out because we ride for mental health, do what you got to do. That's okay. I just ask right. people to ride at eighty percent. That's it. Right. Just dial it back a little bit.
1: I can vouch for that you being good, Liza, because yesterday I invited you and you said, no, no, I'm going to stay at home and be good. So more power to you.
0: I'm just, you know, for three weeks. That's things are bad right now. And I look at the risk versus reward for me and the risk being if even if you like sprain an ankle or, you know, break a wrist. Um, it's a great risk to go to the hospital right now. So right. I'm just making that decision for me. Um, and then, you know, we'll see in three weeks, but you're killing me with good dirt. That's it. You're killing me with a good dirt.
3: That's right. We got months of it left.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I know. Well, um, our guests are going to be coming in any second. And, uh, I know I usually keep it a secret from the misfits. I went ahead and told them this time, but, Hey, am I doing pretty good? I mean, this is episode 399. We're building up to the big one next week. We've had some pretty great guests so far. It's hard to keep topping. I mean, Eric Buell and then, you know, Mert Lowell. I mean, how do you, how do you top that? So I am so happy to announce that our guest tonight, the first one is a four-time AMA Superbike champion, Josh Hayes. Josh, how are you doing?
7: i'm doing good thanks for having me
0: and then you brought a racer a team owner crew chief mechanic your wife melissa paris how are you
7: mother. you left mother I'm out.
0: Dead. oh, oh <laughs> is, yeah well we're about to get there because i the first question i have right off the bat i mean four-time ama superbike championship that's pretty good josh i want to ask you but what is, is your biggest accomplishment
5: oh i feel
8: um, like she set you up for that one
7: okay um Honestly, probably the fact that I've been married 13 years. <laughs>
0: that
8: is correct. That was what I had written
0: down. Good job. Oh, good uh, answer. Good job. Well,
7: you beat me. That's probably the hardest thing I've had that, to do yet. That is a
0: true, that,
8: a <laughs> good job. Best. I te- I teed it up. That is yes.
0: that
3: is resilience. That is a testament so,
8: to your endurance. Um, <laughs> uh,
3: You're supposed to say it's easy
7: in the racing How? world. You know, uh, I, I guess probably. Uh, longevity was important to me. Yeah. Um, I started late and I had such a strong love for it. And for a lot of years, I always said, you know, heck, if I could make it to 40, that would be incredible. What a career it would be. And I, and I raced actively until I was 43 years old. So that that is,
0: that is a big accomplishment.
7: Nice.
1: Well, you, you've Josh, you've actually got some fairly big shoes to fill right here on the podcast because you are not our first AMA Hall of Fame Superbike World Champion. Well,
0: wait, you're not in are the Hall of Fame interview? yet, are you?
8: No.
1: Exactly. No, no, no. Oh. not yet. Not yet. Well, you're yeah, going to you, be. You have to be but You are like the second. Years, so. You are the second Superbike. Um, about six months ago, and it was my favorite interview of all time, we had Wes Cooley on the show. Oh, very cool. And. And Wes is the neatest guy. He's the neatest guy, and I'm sure you will be as well. Yeah, but of course, um, Wes hasn't ridden really competitively since '85. Well, so that's going way back. The,
7: the problem is, I'm still trying.
0: Well, you've got you've got a record to beat, don't you?
7: Well, yeah. uh, it would it would be nice. Um, the the opportunities to get it are getting fewer and fewer, further between. But, uh, you know, when, when uh, the opportunity does come around, we still try to stay pretty current mm-hmm. and make sure that, uh, you know, I still have a love for it. And every opportunity that comes around, we want to be ready to get out there and show well. It's hard because I'm not a professional athlete anymore, and I don't yeah. get to work at it every day the way I did at one time. Now I, I've got to be a, a husband, a father, and a coach and a lot of other things. And once in a while, they let me ride motorcycles when it used to be very far okay. in the other direction. So we uh, we try to be prepared we're still active and we still ride all the time i think that the skill set is still there the fire is still in there and we've gotten to do some really fun things i've started a little bit of classic racing which i never thought i would do right. and got to go to australia and race in the international classic there a few times on a 83 fj1100 <laughs> and
1: oh my god that is a
4: truck
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and you'd be surprised because we're we are going really fast on those things we're six seconds a lap off of the world superbikes on a 1983 engine motorcycle air-cooled machine so uh, right we're around pretty good
1: on those things wow but people are genuinely surprised i mean these bikes make good power yeah and the only thing they're not good at is being light, and the brakes are kind of frightening. But once you actually get past that, you know, I was going to say to you, Josh, it's it's funny that you mention classic racing. I've garnered quite a reputation now as being a classic mechanic, mm-hmm. and it's just that I've been around for so long. The bikes that I worked on as an apprentice, and now the classics, right.
8: I think we should keep that in mind because after my experience on the TZ750, right, maybe I'll bring you back as my mechanic because that TZ750 <laughs>
7: was not friendly, to was her. not
8: kind to me. <laughs> well,
1: you know, I've, I've got a revelation for you. They weren't exactly user friendly when they were new. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, 40-year-old brakes and tires probably don't help either.
8: This one <laughs> stuck a stuck a ring at the top of fourth gear in Hayshed at Phillip Island.
7: Yeah, it was a pretty fast one.
8: And so, I got to oh. go flying.
7: Yeah, <laughs> I, think the, I think the reed block wasn't
1: exactly torqued. <laughs> right. so did you did you get a partial seizure or a solid sea
8: oh it was a big one
1: she got to go get <laughs> all the albatrosses
7: it, out in the grass it was
8: like it was loud and then it was really quiet and which is it, always bad and then it was just like the wind whistling through my ears yeah and then sky dirt sky dirt sky dirt oh gosh uh, emergency. Th-
0: yeah and we should say also Joining us is Hawk.
3: Yeah, <laughs> Hawk's back there. So. <laughs> Watch yeah. the language, kid.
0: So, well, and Melissa, let me ask you. I mean, you've had uh, a long career. Uh, what to you is your biggest accomplishment?
8: <coughs> uh, you know, I think for me, uh, I started out just as a street squid, you know, and I have this big little imposter syndrome thing going on probably through my whole race career where every, every opportunity I got, I kept thinking – someone's going to realize I'm supposed to be like riding around in San Diego, like on my crappy sport bike and they keep letting me ride these really cool things. So honestly, like every step of the way felt like a really big treat and like something I wasn't supposed to get to do, but it's hard to say. I think probably winning the 24 hours of Barcelona on an all girls team was pretty big on the accomplishments and the thing I'm most proud of though I'm just going to start a fight right now. (laughs) Well, We might as well. My my proudest achievement on a motorcycle happened with no audience. And it was the day.
7: That is not your proudest achievement.
8: I whipped Josh's ass riding (laughs) (laughs) Supermoto. There was only one person there to witness it. He's now in federal she jail, got- so I have <laughs> no one to back me up. <laughs> so those she are. Those are Wait, those- she got top
7: 10 of the Daytona 200 on TV. And this is what she's going to go
8: with.
0: Well, I, I was going to say, those <laughs> are all Seven fine accomplishments. Those are all very good. But I'm going to say, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Your biggest accomplishment is giving birth to your son. Oh, uh, sorry. So
8: mm, point removed. No, oh. <laughs> 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 I had an epidural, so whatever. <laughs> that is that is
7: <laughs> about the most natural thing that you can do, right? It was I, I'm not to say it's easy. Got to be honest, saying.
8: I don't know if you ladies have any experience with no. that, but I'm going to say like zero out of five stars would not recommend. Childbirth.
0: <laughs> 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 no, I think it's the most unnatural thing ever invented.
1: I, however, I think five out of five stars would recommend an epidural.
8: Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, um, sure. oh, absolutely. You know they, what they what they say that
3: the, the, the best thing about the best thing about having kids is making them.
7: Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about the
5: best, that. Best <laughs> my
7: life. Talk okay. About. Um, so he, he was no. on birth control for like twenty years, and I was, I was forty, and I'm like,
8: this might be hard this, work.
7: This we might have to work at this a little bit. <laughs> Our underwear touched.
0: We <laughs> had, it. Miracle!
7: We didn't even actually finish the act.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you for that information.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, just- I want to. I, I want to go back to the beginning. Exactly. And it, you know, who should we? Who should we start with, Melissa or Josh? Let's start with Josh. Mm-hmm. So we've already established you came into racing late, but did you kind of just? Pick up the sport, sport, or have you been, you know, messing about with motorbikes since you were a kid? Run what? us, run us through your motorbike journey. My
7: my <laughs> father was a fireman, and he liked motorcycles. And I remember okay. he did have a, a Husky 250 that he raced a couple of times.
1: Uh, so proper I, motorbikes, yeah. not sort of yeah. like stupid dad bikes. Your dad was into proper motorbikes.
7: Well, he, he tried a he had a Husky 250 that he tried a little motocross. Uh, didn't know, you know, just for fun. His father, my grandfather, told him if he ever caught him on a motorcycle before he moved out, he'd break both of his legs. So okay. my dad had an affinity for motorcycles and, and this and that. And then as a fireman in Mississippi, they didn't make a lot of money, but all the motor, all the, the firemen kind of had their hobbies. So they raced go-karts a little bit at one time. They rode motorcycles. They had mini bikes. They did different things. And so then at one point when I was about 10 or 11, he had a GPZ 550, and he would ah. take me to walk
0: it love those
7: <laughs> and uh and there were a few fireman friends that had some cool ones one had one of the gp750 turbos and in oh, some yeah. other things around the neighborhood that i got to see and my uncle also rode and so we're
1: talking mid-80s
7: here yeah early 80s probably mid-80s. yeah early
1: mid-80s yeah that sounds about right
7: so <laughs> then uh my dad found a metal tank Suzuki DS80 in somebody's backyard that didn't work, bought it for a hundred bucks and him and the fireman put it together for me. And that was my, uh, Christmas present when I was 11 years old. Cool. Okay. Dad award. And, and, nice. and uh, I was allowed to ride. I was the only kid in town with a motorcycle mm-hmm. and I was allowed to ride in the alley in first gear and my dad was a firefighter he said i know everybody in town i'll know if you cheat i'll know if you don't know the truth so first gear i could ride down a couple of alleys and work my way over and there was a field next to the airport and as big a berm as i could push up i pushed up a little track and i would ride around in that field and that's all i really had until i was about i don't know 17 years old i was fascinated with motorcycles and I was wheeling and dealing vehicles in high school back and forth and uh, I ended up with a YSR 50 that I rode to school for a little while for a couple of weeks probably if I remember correctly and then eventually I sold bought and sold some trucks and cars and I ended up buying a salvage title CBR 600 F2 Mm -hmm. and I was a senior in high school my best friend Uh, got one, got a GSXR 750 two weeks before I got mine.
0: (laughs) In high school? In high
7: school, 18 years old. Wow. (laughs) We were riding around, getting in trouble, and we lived in an area that had two military bases, an Air Force base and a a uh, Navy base. Mm -hmm. And so we met all the military guys that rode, and they were sneaking us into bars and stuff down at the beach. And, (laughs) you know, we were riding our bikes and working, and that was kind of all I ever knew about riding. And I didn't even know club racing existed. And, Uh, one of the local kids, it was a year or two younger than me. His dad owned the Suzuki dealership. He went and actually went wear a club racing. And that's, I went for a ride with him one time and saw it. And that's how I first realized it even existed. And I was still in high school. So when I got out, um, I didn't really have a real set forth plan. It was the local community college. I didn't know what I was going to do. And so, I kind of asked my parents, I told my dad I wanted to go try this hobby for fun now that I knew where it was. It was a six-hour drive to the closest racetrack, and I ended up crashing my motorcycle, and it was easier to put a number plate on it than a headlight. And so I went to the Ed Bargy Race School at Little Talladega and um, just enjoyed it. And I said, I want to try this and do it a little more. And I was working full-time, and the parents said, okay, you know, they could co-sign a loan for me. And that was about what they could do. And I worked my butt off and I just, I met another guy who was a racer, Grant Lopez. I don't know if you guys would remember that name.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, late nineties, uh, early two thousands. He was another national competitor, and national champion. And I met him. He was a year or two ahead of me and kind of taught me the ropes in the club racing. And, every year, somehow for about five years, every year, the deal just got a little better. The first year it was all on my own. The next year, a couple people said, Hey, we'll help you out with a couple of things. And it was just enough to keep me going. The next year at that time, club racing had some good opportunities and teams. John Ulrich called me and said, Hey, I'm going to help you out. I'll loan you some gear. And so that made it a little easier. And I can make back a little money at the races to keep myself going. And, and I did that every year. And then I got lucky and moved into pro racing at the same time that that team, Valvoline Suzuki went pro racing.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: And so I went from a guy on a street bike to five years of amateur racing. And then one day I got plopped down at Daytona in 600 super sport with, I don't know, 25 to 30 factory and factory supported paid motorcycle racers, a hundred people showing up for 80 spots on the grid. And I ended up performing really well. Uh, I've qualified on the front row for 600 super sport. I won the 750 super sport race, finished fifth in 600 and went on to compete with all the top guys. And,
1: uh, I ended up. And how old were you at this stage, Josh? 25. How old were you when you made the grid? 25. 25. You know, relatively speaking, you're an old man already.
7: (laughs) Yeah. A little bit. And so you know, great of the, the teenagers. <laughs> right. And, and John Hopkins actually came on as my teammate in 1999. The day he turned 16, he became my teammate. Right. And I was already 25 years old. So making, trying to make my splash. So we did that. And and uh, the next year I replaced Nikki Hayden at Arian Honda and kind of got my foot in the door at, at my first kind of like paid job. And... Uh, a decade later, I was 35. I had won a bunch of championships, but nobody was giving me the opportunity in Superbike. And finally, Keith McCarty called me and offered me a Yamaha opportunity. And uh, 10 years later, nine years later, I would won four Superbike championships and finished second and four and had a little bit of a rough, rough last year, but, you know, uh, had, a, had an incredible run and won, I think, 60 Superbike races and... Uh, yeah, all of a sudden, I went from being underdog to overdog overnight. It felt like so.
0: Jim, show them show them what's on your wall there. Oh, in, in your bike shed. Let's see if shed. I can
3: see it here. Oh, this if is... I can see here. Let's see. Oh, got a lot of cool stuff. Hey. In there. Oh, there we go. Hey.
0: hey. <laughs> all
3: right.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Jim. Yeah. Jim came late to riding in his late forties.
3: NASA sticker behind it. <laughs> NASA, yeah, man. <laughs> there we you, know. you do that too, right? <laughs> uh, I'm the space. Those are be a little sideburn. Yes,
0: turn, show them your project. Show them your project, Jim.
3: <laughs> My project? Yeah. Oh, well, it's coming. Okay, well, there's the project. Uh, kind of see. There you it. go. I think oh, they'll well, both appreciate did.
0: that. Um, He's building his own little flat the tracker
3: The flat track. Yeah. Anyway.
0: So,
1: yeah. So, Judge. I mean, we call that. You've paid your dues, Yeah, buddy. exactly. You have paid your dues. Melissa, it's your 19, turn, darling.
7: <laughs> Nineteen years in pro racing—that was a pretty good run. 19,
1: I was going to say that is a long slog, mm-hmm. but wow. Melissa, darling, now it's your turn. Start <laughs> at the beginning.
8: So I, I uh, you know, a lot like Josh, I grew up in a family with a bunch of kids. No money for things like motorsports. I played baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a little tiny bit of BMX racing. Didn't know really anything about motorcycles at all. Like I'd see them, and I was like, "That looks cool," but I don't know anybody that does that. Where did you grow up,
1: darling? Were you in Mississippi too?
8: Oh no, 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 no! (laughs) I grew up in no, no, no. no, no. Come on, (laughs) I'm not a hillbilly. parents aren't even related to each other. <laughs> oh. Oh, <laughs> so oh, my God. <laughs> Is really or a redneck? <laughs> yeah, you're funny. Dude. I grew up in uh, Northern California. Um, and then when I oh, graduated hippie. high school, I moved to San Diego. So, oh, okay. yeah. And I Martin? was going to San Diego State. I was living in the dorms. And there's this guy that lived the floor below me who had a... Oh, me. Not him. Right. Who had a GSXR 600. And I was like, over, like, hey, what's going on? I like your bike. And um, so it, yeah, does, it does work. It, huh? I'm, 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 yeah, it absolutely works. I'm going to stop you there.
1: I'm going to stop you there. Did you actually like the bike or kind of like
8: him? And I, we'll kind of get to him. Did you through like the
0: him bike. because he had a bike?
8: Oh, I would have never noticed him if he wasn't riding a sport yeah. bike. Okay, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a good answer. Okay, yeah. we can move you, on. He was a great guy, but, but I mean, really look,
7: look at me. I have a face for radio. Do you think I could pull over? Stop it. Please,
8: Josh, uh,
7: cool
1: we, I was actually going to con I was going to comment, darling. I think you're very handsome, sweetie, very, in a yeah. rugged, in a, in a sort of rugged kind of way. You're very rugged, darling.
5: Manly rugged. man. <laughs> uh, I got a good. Story. Yes, he's a manly
7: man. You need to hear our story. It's a good one.
8: Oh, so anyway. <laughs> oh, that's coming. Oh, that's
0: coming. We're going to get all the information. So did you get him to teach you how to ride? Is it that? Yeah. So, you know, I was riding sad.
8: around on the back of his bike, loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, he had an extra set of leathers. I'd put it on over my jeans and hoodie. And we'd go up to Palomar Mountain and ride around like hoodlums. And I loved it. Like, I, I loved it so much. And then we were up there one time. And I saw this girl come screaming down the mountain on a shell advance painted up CBR four hundred. And I was like, What the F am I doing on the back of this motorcycle? <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> a moment.
4: Yeah,
8: so I, uh, you know, I signed up, I took an MSF course, I bought I started working at cycle gear while I saved up for a motorcycle. Oh, nice. I, uh, yeah, it was wild. And then I, I saved up some cash and I bought this 86 Yamaha FZ 600.
0: Oh, nice. Nice.
8: It was like salvage title, like bent frame, like as jacked up as you can imagine. We, and at this point I didn't even know how to drive a stick shift car. Right. So like you can imagine where the story's going. It's going (laughs) badly. So we're in a parking lot. boyfriend's trying to teach me how to ride this thing it's tall i can't reach the ground you have to hold the bars kind of sideways to make it go straight anyways i keep stalling it and falling over and stalling it and falling over um and finally like he picks it up wheels it into the garage and is like i don't think this is going to be the sport for you oh Mm. so like Two weeks later, another guy friend of mine who lived in the same, like, off-campus apartments as me was like, F that. Help me sell that. Bought a little Ninja 250.
3: There enough. you go. Yeah. Nice. The gateway, then, The gateway drug.
8: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know what I just did to our computer. Oh, boy. You're, you're, you're still with no, us. No, you're still okay. rolling. Well, I'm glad you guys can still see us because we can see nothing. <laughs> ah, there you go. Huh. So, um, yeah. So then... Even that I was, you know, at this point in my life, I was It's I was kind of stereotypical, like 19-year-old girl afraid of my own shadow, like not a lot of self-confidence. So there was like a lot of riding around in the parking lot, like so scared, like really freaked out, but I wanted to be able to do it. And I'll never forget, like the first time I rode on the street, I was like so afraid I was going to stall at a stoplight or something mm-hmm. like that and my good buddy R. Ash sat on the passenger seat and rode around with me on the back of the motorcycle. Like, (laughs) you can do this, I believe in you. (laughs) And I mean, within a couple of weeks I was riding and loving it and then I-
7: More and more hooligan friends.
8: Yeah, I basically like met a bunch of friends that were (laughs) hooligans. So the, the Ninja 250 went away, I got an FZR 600 and a set of leathers and- There you
1: go showed up
8: at palomar and it was like you know that was like our personal racetrack so i was up there every weekend with the guys you know dragging me on city streets acting like total like it was a racetrack you know it was wild and then but all you knew yeah and it was so fun and i loved it and i had the oldest crappiest bike everybody had new stuff and then i i had a line on a good deal on an old on a cbr 600 and i went into the dealership and then i accidentally bought a brand new cbr 600 rr when they first came out accidentally Accidentally. (laughs) Accidentally. it
3: just happened
8: yeah it was
3: her pirate came out it was called a student loan but i I don't know what
5: it
8: was yeah but that's okay yeah and at that point um I started ditching classes. I was at Palomar like several days a week, and really just kind of started to find what I was into. And I got really lucky that some guys started taking me to the racetrack. So mm-hmm. started out doing track days, and then I obviously I was a college student. I had no money. I couldn't afford to do track days. So I got in with the California Superbike so, School. Ah,
1: so and can I stop
8: you there, Melissa? Um, yeah.
1: What age were you? So, what age are you now? Sort of early twenties that you're doing the track 20. day stuff.
8: Yeah, like twenty twenty one. Right around twenty. Okay. Yeah. Very good. So I'm I'm now I get in with Keith Code and his mm-hmm. guys and, and they let me help fix crash school bikes and in return when the students are in the classroom I can ride on the racetrack. So I was like I free track days. This is great. And then all the other guys that were doing that with me started club racing. And I was like, well, you guys aren't any faster than me. I'm going to go club racing. So that was kind of it. I started racing at Willow Springs. And I think as soon as I did my first race, I was like, I know I'm going to school for accounting, but I don't really want to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
1: With with the greatest respect darling you don't look like an accountant. Thank you. <laughs> no. Well, and I, I do.
3: Yes, yeah, she does. You, know,
1: you don't. I look, well, I look like either a school teacher or an accountant. You don't. Well, you look
3: like a crumpet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you look
3: like a crumpet to me, Emma.
0: Well, I, I, love, oh, I, you, I love hearing the story that you saw another woman on a bike and that was kind of like the bridge for right. you because yeah. I hear that from so many women that they don't think that this is a thing like that. This is for them. Like it doesn't dawn yeah. on them that they can be on the front of the bike. So you have to know, I mean, as a writer yourself, how many other women that you may be motivating and, and, and bringing into riding? Well, it-
8: It's funny because I feel like I had this transformation when I started writing, like, of kind of figuring out who I am and having some confidence in myself. And I'm, like, embarrassed to admit that it took seeing another girl doing it to realize that it was an option for me, you know? And I don't
1: think there's any embarrassment in that. But the other thing I want to take from this, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of like the quiet part out loud, and I wish more people would think about it, if you start off with the right bike, and make no mistake, if you are capable mm-hmm. of blowing up, mm-hmm. you know, an, a YZ750, you're a hot rider. But you have to start in the right place, and there's no better start than a Ninja 250.
8: Yeah, I a think a terrible like- start is an yeah.
1: FZ600, especially a
8: <laughs> fucked up one. Yeah. It's funny because Is there
7: one are there any left that aren't?
8: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. I mean a, a good friend of ours right now, she's she just decided she wanted to get into writing. And she was telling me the different bikes she was looking at. And the biggest thing I said to her is like, I just want you to pick something that's reliable because if you're riding mm-hmm. a bike, that's like, doesn't run really good and it doesn't start I- every time you press the button and you're afraid it's going to stall on you somewhere, then you're not going to ride it. You're not going to feel confident. Like, well, like you, yeah, you just need something that like works every freaking time. Wait until you're, older and like or not older but like more experienced and like confident in yourself to get the you know project
7: (laughs) i feel like one of the things that a lot of females are afraid of is being able to touch the ground so something with a low seat height seems to go a long way of just like you said afraid of stalling at a stoplight and not being able to hold the bike up because your feet can't
8: i was so it's so funny because like when girls talk to me about it now they're like they're like how you know how did you ride a 600 at first and it's funny because i Felt like when I first rode a 600 to when I got confident on it, it felt like my legs must have grown. But it's just because you learn how to sit on a motorcycle a right. little bit better, right? right?
0: Yeah. And the, the other thing yeah, that, like, that, that you both mentioned that I want to repeat, and I've said this before on our show club riding is really fun to watch. I mean, you both came up through club writing. A lot of people come up through club writing. You can go there and you have access. Like I used to go with my friends uh, to club writing and you know, you're just hanging out in the pits with everyone and helping everyone out and borrowing tools from each other. And um, we used to go, I used to go with my friends and help them out when they were racing at the go-kart track in Stockton. And it was always Mm -hmm. fascinating because there was this Eleven-year-old girl who was whooping the pants off of everyone. Elena, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Elena Myers. You never know yeah. who you're yeah. going to go see racing, yeah. and so I just oh. want to remind everyone: club level racing is fun. It's accessible. You should check it out and go just as a fan.
8: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: So yeah, so we're we're gonna we're coming to the big scoop. So we got Josh's established and racing. Yeah, You're racing.
8: So, so I, how, how, how,
1: yeah.
8: I'm a Keep senior. Going. I'm a senior in college at this point. I'm about to graduate with this degree that I'm never gonna freaking use.
7: <laughs> I, I, I something. Yeah.
8: yeah. Wish um, I had known
7: that.
8: And it's funny because I I just started to like formulate this. I don't know how, but this is what I want to do. I want to be a racer. I don't I don't know how I'm gonna do it. I don't have any money. Yeah. How's this gonna work? But it's it's I. You know, it was like it was in my heart. It was like this fire that was burning, and I was trying to figure it out. And I'm at Willow Springs. Mm-hmm. It's uh, every year they used to do this big race, the Toyota 200. It was a 200-mile race with a $100,000?
5: $50,000. $50,000
8: $50, purse, so fifty grand to the winner. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, okay. And um, this guy used to come every year and cherry pick it from all the club racers wait is this
0: the story of how you two met
8: it is Uh, okay
0: okay (laughs) so
8: so josh shows up and i was like i had just broken up with another racer and sworn i was never dating another motorcycle racer done with them
3: they are trouble
8: (laughs) (laughs) right the worst so then i end up meeting josh we kind of we kind of danced around each other a little bit, little like very awkwardly. And um, he asked me out to dinner.
7: Well, let let me say this. That particular weekend there was a racer named John Hainer who was my teammate for the weekend. John's a little bit younger than me. But we saw her around the paddock and John goes, "Okay, bro." <laughs> Under 20 How you doing? Oh, how you doing? (laughs) Over 20, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) So it was like we were debating. If she was over 20, I was going to talk to her. If she was under 20, he was. I thought
0: you were going to say like Rochambeau for her or
5: something.
4: Yeah. Yeah, You were looking out.
7: She was somewhat somewhat off-putting that weekend. She was friendly, but not exactly friendly flirty or nothing like that.
8: I, like I said, I had just broken up with another racer and I was like, and I had this idea. Cause I'm like, Oh, he's like a pro racer. Like he probably has like Whore. chicks throwing <laughs> themselves mm-hmm. at him. And like, honestly, like I don't give an F like I want to be a racer and not, right. you know, like go back to a racer's hotel. Room.
7: So, so I, yeah, I asked <laughs> her, <this laughs> Hey, I, I knew she told me she was sleeping in her truck at the track. And I said, Hey, you want to go out and just grab some dinner And the answer was, I'm not going back to your room with you. (laughs) Like, like I know we're talking about throw a burger down your neck and you appreciate it. But geez, I wasn't going there. You
0: You are a Southern gentleman after all. I was trying to be. In all
8: honesty, I was not going to go to dinner with him, but I I didn't have she enough. I didn't have enough money.
4: I'm If we don't have motorcycles, we'll always have food.
5: Yeah. <laughs> it's
7: funny. So I take her back to the track, and then I drive the 20 miles back to Lancaster to my hotel, which we, mm-hmm. which is right where we ate, and uh, it's freezing cold because this is no, October. October, end of October, and uh, in the desert, you know, so it's always cold at night. So on the way in in the morning, I stopped and I bought her a giant hot chocolate, and I had a hot chocolate too. And I get there for the riders meeting, and I'm, I'm I can't find her anywhere. And finally, I'm I, so I leave it in my rental car in front of the tractor trailer, and I'm walking with my hot chocolate. And I see her, and I go, "Hey, I, I have to go do this thing right now, but I bought you this giant hot chocolate. It's in my in my rental." Josh,
1: car Josh, can I can I can I stop you, darling? So. At this stage in the proceedings, I, is your intention to cherry pick her for racing? Was your little Josh heart beating in your chest already? I'm not sure. I'm just. Feeling- <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you're not denying it. You know, we like the romantic angle. Yeah, no, I'm
7: just so feeling at this
8: things point, out. Actually, like- Josh has always said he never wanted to date a girl that races. I was not
7: interested in girls that rode motorcycles at all zero. <laughs> But she was yeah, cute. Yeah, but
8: the hot
1: chocolate is evidence to the contrary.
7: Yeah, no, right. I, Yeah. No, she was cute. That's I had, I, like, whatever. So I'm just like, okay, you never know, right? So I, I say, hey, I got I- this hot chocolate for you as I'm walking to the rider's meeting. She's like, oh, okay, she's going the other direction, and... So we go to the writer's meeting, we do our thing, and then I'm kind of working my way back, and as I'm walking by, I see her sitting over at the concession stand with this giant steaming hot chocolate, not the one I got her. She was like, forget you, I'm going over here and getting one. This is and not how like, this oh, happened. This is how it starts, he, right? He
8: told me to go get it out of his rental car. I, I,
7: I didn't have a choice, but regardless, this not, was the appreciation I saw was, I don't need your hot chocolate, I so, got my
0: I can basically, I can see how this, how this worked out because from day one, you were acting like a married couple. Yeah. That's yeah. basically. Four letter word. They, the
8: word. they did not get better though. day actually got much, much so, worse because I, hang on. <laughs> I was racing 125. Right, no,
7: I, I was going to tell that part of the story. I later got to see her ugly cry. Stop. <laughs> like that day. That hard.
8: myself. What had happened was (laughs) I had been racing in the 125 class at this point. I had a little RS 125. Remember that ex-boyfriend I said I had just broken up Mm -hmm. with? This a-hole had gotten... Oh, he might not. He's not listening. He had gotten tired of finishing third and fourth in the 600 class and had seen a couple of his friends doing well on 125. So he decided to get himself a 125. So So they're racing against each other. So now we are reading up next to each other. You guys, I've never led a race. I've never won a race. I passed him and I am leading the mother effing race. I'm going to win and hey, I'm hey, going to hey, beat... Wait, wait, wait. Stop. Let me tell
7: no. <laughs> hey, yes, She'll be coming around the mountain
5: when she
8: comes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. You're such You're such an <laughs> a-hole. <laughs> i'm like the best it's the highest of the highs and then my fucking chain fell off
5: oh. <laughs> oh.
8: and i like coast to a stop oh and it didn't just fall off like it came off the sprocket and like
7: she, she thought it was a false neutral it but she's buried itself
8: it. in my swing arm oh so I'm sitting outside turn two at Willow Springs. The next lap, my best friend, another female racer, and Nikki crashes spectacularly in the same turn. She hmm. walks out to me, she looks at me, I look at her. We both started ugly crying <laughs> and hugging. But there's no crying in motorbiking. There's so much crying. Oh, there
5: crying is. Right, <laughs> the- <laughs> 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 there's a lot
4: of
8: crying in it. Have you and met so a motorcyclist? Like It was ugly crying. It was like, I mean, it was like, I was going to beat that guy.
7: Now we also had some friends in common. There was a young guy, Michael Beck, who was a really young guy up and coming. And I was there as the big dog with the big team. Right. And so I remember she was rooting against me and little Michael beat me in a race. And she was pumped because I got beat and all that stuff. And it, it wasn't malicious. I was malicious, cheering but, for the home <laughs> team. But, yeah, yeah he's fine. cheering for the home team. So, fast forward all of this stuff. She had kind of even given me some attitude, like, that That 200-mile race is kind of boring. I probably won't watch it anyway.
8: It is boring.
7: Right.
8: You lack the field. So,
7: <laughs> I win the race. I'm standing uh-huh. on the podium, and I've got this $50,000 cardboard check over my head. I looked down from the podium, and she's about five feet out. She's w- like not even one person. She just pushed her way to the front row, and she's. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That Aww. was it. And she said to me,
8: "All those zeros really bring out your eyes." <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> and there's the punchline. Well I, I done. Uh, so,
7: so we talked a little bit that, and I think we, did we have dinner that night, or did I do have dinner with the team? Uh, or, I you went with the team, I think. But I was staying in California. I had a, a athletic coach that I worked with, and we actually did a cycling trip for a week in Solvang, out north of mm-hmm. Santa Barbara.
1: And oh, I know that. Solvang very yeah. well. And so we
7: were Los Olivos and Solvang, and riding up on the mountains on Figaro mm-hmm. and stuff, and for a week. And we were talking on the phone, and it, it was—I uh, guess it was getting close to was it World Series or Super World Series? I think was in Houston. I was flying back through Houston on the way home. And at the end of my trip, she was going out to Buttonwillow to race AFM. And there was a track day on the Friday. So I go, you know what? Like, would you mind if I just hung out a little bit extra? And we talked a little bit. And I changed my flight. I called Arian, who I was going to Arian Racing now, and said, hey, I haven't ridden a 600 in a few years. You want to go out and do this track day? And so the team actually brought a motorcycle out for me to ride. And we went to the track day, and then I stayed and watched her ride on the race weekend, and watched her race for the weekend. And she was kind of pumped because her big brother was there, and she was like, "Oh, he'll run this guy off. That'll work." But he brought a girl, so he was distracted. He didn't care too much that I was there.
8: Yeah, caramel wingman.
7: And uh, I think by the end of that weekend, that's kind of what was. Things were set in motion. You know, that that we started,
5: I started coming
7: out to test and (laughs) we would test at Cal Speedway and I went and stayed with her in San Diego and I'd drive up to the Speedway in the morning and test and come back and see her. And we did that. And then, so you got to remember, this is also, this is about, the race was a month and a half or a month after Hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. And I was in Mississippi. So Mississippi was obliterated. There wasn't anything left at home. And I ended up through a weird business deal ending up without a house. And while I was figuring it out, I said to her, I go, Hey, why don't we meet in like Colorado and go snow skiing for new years with some friends. And then I've got a test in Laguna Seca on like the third and fourth of January. And I'll come to San Diego with all my toys and we can hang out and get to know each other because I don't have anything until Daytona that's not in California. I've got other people there, Jason Pridmore, and lots of friends. If it doesn't work, I can bail, so there's no pressure. But I like you. I'd like to get to know you a little better. And it worked out that she was basically done with classes about that time too.
8: Yeah, I was just I was just graduating. It was like a really weird time. I I uh, I graduated college. I got offered a really good accounting job. <laughs>
7: And then I showed up live
8: stream. I made it one day and I <laughs> called my dad crying at night and was like, I don't wanna do this <laughs> and he was so cool about it. He said, um, you know, I didn't tell you to go to college to get a job you hate. What do you wanna do? And I said, I wanna race motorcycles and he said, Well, I don't know how to help you with that, but you can move home. So I know I see the kitty. So you don't <laughs> have to pay rent and um that And that basically,
7: so I did that. and Well, before that, we, we spent two and a half or three months, like running around Southern California, riding dirt bikes and just having a lot of fun, doing a lot of fun
1: things. Being Uh, motorbike people.
7: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, like it just, everything was just kind of perfect. And then. It worked out that she ended up driving cross country with me and meeting my parents, and then went to Daytona with me
8: for the tire test. Uh, for the race. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here right. it was for the race.
7: So, we go to Daytona. Um, I ended up getting second in the Daytona two hundred. And on the drive back to Mississippi, she tells me, "I mean, I knew you were kind of good. I, I really didn't know you were kind of that good." <laughs> Nice to hear after six months, almost five months of hanging
3: out.
0: So, <laughs> thank you because you yeah. I really liked you. So, the Dash, the just, 50
3: grand check was just luck, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious. Uh, I'm assuming at this point you're sometimes giving her tips on her writing. I'm curious how she takes tips from
8: you. Oh. He was not because no. he was a smart we, man. We weren't really good to that.
7: like we were riding dirt bikes and other things. We yeah. weren't on no. the racetrack you know together. What he did
8: do. He took me to a couple Jason oh. Pudmore schools. Mm-hmm. You're right. And he said, "Hey, okay. listen to that guy."
7: <laughs> that <laughs> smart is a move. smart, well smart, man. smart man. man. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well done. We got to the bad stuff later.
8: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
7: We learned a lot of lessons later. Well. But-
0: I- and and now Melissa is he's writing for you. Are you giving him writing tips? Oh no no, <laughs> smart woman.
8: <laughs> so, I, mean, I don't. Hey, I,
7: I'm I'm good with it. I don't. I mean, really have I know. have
8: no problem saying to Josh like, "Hey, like so and so is getting deeper on the brakes in turn one." Mm-hmm. Right. But to me, that's more of like spotting than right. coaching teamwork. You know what I mean? So he he he.
1: Here's the big question, guys. So where are you both at now? It's, it's pretty much the end of 2020. We're going to come into 2021. What's Melissa and Josh up to in 2021?
8: Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just coming off a season of being a mechanic for the Cam Peterson, who won the Stock 1000 Championships. Okay. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Mm-hmm. MP13 yeah. racing. Uh no, actually no? I was working for another oh, you working team. For... Oh really? Yeah, I actually yeah for 2020 I was actually working for Altus Racing. Oh, um,
0: right, that's right.
8: That was my first time having a boss in a really long time. Um, so that's the whole thing.
7: Didn't like it one bit. I'm not a
8: big fan. Um, no. <laughs> So trying to figure out for next year, I've got a, a couple different options. So either um, to
7: resurrect I'd
8: really like yeah. to bring my team back. I've got a, a rider that I'm dying to work with um, who I think is really talented. But, you know, it's just a matter of putting together the budget. Um, I've got another really fantastic option to go work for another team. So, like, this is just kind of that silly season where I figure out, which wow. way it's gonna go. And on top of all of that, I'm actually like the mentor for this really cool program that Royal Enfield's doing. Yeah, so, I wanted to talk about that. That's yeah. pretty cool. So Royal Enfield, um I got involved with the brand because uh I'm friends with Brie Poland, who's their mm-hmm. the manager of or marketing manager of mm-hmm. all of the Americas. And right. she used to be really involved in road racing. So we're really close friends she's been traveled with me all over europe with all the racing i've done in europe and stuff and we're really good friends so naturally i kind of got involved and in, and last season she did this really cool thing where she gave four of us girls an int 650 we turned them into flat track bikes and we went flat track racing and um it was a blast it was super fun so, for this year, or 2021, rather, we're picking a handful of girls, and we're going to do the same thing, but with road racing. So Wait,
0: on oh. the Royal Enfield?
8: Yeah, on a GT650. Wow. It's wow. going to be okay. so cool. They're
7: so. all going to be custom builds.
8: Yeah, so each of the girls will get a stock bike, and then they're going to build it into a road racer. So, my job's going to be to, like, as a mentor, help them do that. Mm-hmm. By letting them know, obviously, like what needs to be done, like what has to be upgraded and then also helping them through the process if they, you know. That's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah.
0: And I'm curious, how easy was it to transition road racing into flat tracking?
8: Well, I'd done a bit of flat track training with American Super Camp already. Mm -hmm. Um, It's such good cross training, I think, for road racing. We ride a lot of like mini just flat like track at the house. Yeah. It's just yeah, you t- know riding motorcycles. TTR one twenty
0: fives? Is that what Yeah? Yes. But I mean the gateway.
8: Yeah. It's so <laughs> yeah. Fun. it helps it really Here's does the, help in road racing.
0: Yeah.
8: Here's the obvious
1: question. Do you still see yourself as a competitive racer or are you all about mechanics now?
8: Um, honestly, I would love to still be racing. Um I just got to the point where finding the budget as a privateer to do full right. racing Moto America, I'd gotten to the point where it was taking up so much time to just thrash and be able to keep racing that I couldn't also work on being a good racer. Mm. So in the last couple of years, I've done less of that and more of like the world endurance stuff and found that I actually really enjoy that. Like doing these 24 hour races wow. in Europe, it's, really like kind of got my heart because I can just go there and be a racer and not have to worry about all the other crap that goes with it and getting to race at amazing circuits and on good equipment and and doing all of that. So my plan is to continue doing that 2020 definitely through that all Right. You know, it just put a wrench in it. Yeah, big wrench in the works. The world I mean, they still did do Lamar, Poldor got cancelled, but the team I raced for chose not to participate. So I'm just hoping that for twenty twenty one I'll get to hopefully do one or two more twenty four hour races. Um I still love riding so much. Look,
7: she would she right. would trade it all to ride in the snap of a finger. Right. Like real.
1: Right. And that
8: that's kind of where I was going yeah. with it. But, you
1: know, you're kind of reluctantly putting it to one side.
8: Yeah. And, I mean, I do find, like, I did find a lot of satisfaction this year working with Cam. Like, we had a lot of success, and I was really proud of what we were able to do. But
7: we are also very lucky that we have so much opportunity to still ride. Like, we're going to ride for our whole life we have a lot of opportunities that we don't have to have a day job we can ride in our backyard we have a lot of local motocross a lot of local track days we're doing a lot of coaching yeah we still get a lot of opportunities to be on motorcycles and we're fortunate that we have that
3: i, well, I saw that's some pictures of you the- josh oh. uh, riding riding some motocross the other day it looks like you got some skills out on the motocross track too
7: <laughs> uh, i don't know i'm a lot of desire with not a lot of skill or talent <laughs> follow it up <laughs> the,
8: video, the video looks good but i should have followed it up with a video of him trying to get out of bed the next morning yeah.
2: so <laughs> well, that i can oh, relate to yes. the epilogue
1: um but so you know this kind of dovetails into you josh what are you going to be up to for 2021
7: you know, my transition happened pretty quick. I went from top superbike rider to Yamaha, actually, put me into a mentoring role, mm-hmm. which I was reluctant to do because I just didn't feel like I had the confidence to do it. But um, there's been a handful of guys that I've gotten to work with at the top level, which is probably what my real passion is. Problem is, those guys don't like to pay for it all. <laughs> but, right. Uh, I'm fortunate also that I got to work with guys who I believe were already winners to begin with, like Cam Peterson, who wrote for her, Garrett Gerloff, who's now in the world championship, mm-hmm. uh, Richie Escalante, Bobby. Bobby Fong is probably my primary guy who's had uh, an incredible last couple of years. But you know, Bobby was one of the the first guys that I looked at, and I go. Why is this guy like, I'm, I'm a competitor with him. I know how fast he is. And when people would ask me about who to hire this that, I, I couldn't understand why people weren't looking at Bobby and taking him seriously. And we didn't know each other. Well, I called, I cold called him and I said, Bobby, I keep bringing up your name and I don't know why people aren't hiring you. Cause I know how fast you are. I go, would you be interested in coming and spending some time with me? Let me get to know you a little bit and see if I can just figure out if I, if I can help you in some way. Um, to get some of these opportunities. And from the day he showed up, um, man, I've found that he's quite a funny guy and we get along really well. And a lot of people said, you know, Oh, that guy's a head case in this and that. And he is in his own way, but he just needs to be talked through it a little bit. And once I kind of got him pointed in a good direction and, and keep his eye on the ball, this is what I really think I do more than anything. He's been able to showcase his true talent more and more. and He calls me daily with questions about, quite honestly irrelevant stuff quite often mainly
8: girls and uh
7: but you know i I found that that's been the key for a lot of these guys that have a lot of talent is they get a lot of input from a lot of different places especially as the teams get bigger and as there's as it's more competitive and getting crunched because the the depth is getting smaller and It's becoming crucial to be good in every aspect. You can't just get results. You can't just have personality. Uh, You've got to kind of put all those things together. So teaching him a little bit of when he needs to be stoic and when he needs to talk about this right. or how he talks about his problems and things like that have been key to his success. And, you know, it's kind of the same thing with Garrett, moving up into a, a big group of people and feeling like you have a lot of people of authority around you and who to listen to and when to listen to your heart.
1: Well, and- let, let's be honest with you here, Josh. There's a lot of money involved here. And the trouble is when people are putting a lot of money into a product or a person they want their voice to be heard of course and so you 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 get all this sometimes conflicting opinion right it's, and it's you know it's been going feel, on forever
8: i feel like for me it's it's been really interesting because i've got to experience things as a racer i've also got to for a really long time be a fly on the wall in the arian racing rig and the yamaha racing rig where. I mean, honestly, racers' wives usually are, I mean, nobody even sees them. So the Mm. conversations that would happen in front of me were always, it was always an opportunity. She got the real
7: thing. Yeah, I
8: got to learn a (laughs) lot that way, you know. And then, but I knew what they were talking about because I'm a racer. And the thing that, like, Mm. has really astounded me is throughout history, there have been a lot of racers that are what I call, like, they're like thoroughbreds. They're like racehorses, right? And I've described Bobby like that before. He's...
7: He's He's high-strung. He's
8: a high-strung racehorse, and he's skittish, and, you know, like, all these different things, but...
7: If you treat him properly.
8: If you are willing to do the things that you would do to keep him calm when you need him (laughs) calm and, like, whip his ass when he needs his ass whipped, like, you're going to get results out of him. And I think, like, it's been, like, really fun for me, like, kind of outside looking in to see see that. Because a lot of times, like, I'll look at a team and I'll be like, dude okay i get it like he's a, like not talking about bobby like lots of other racers like that dude's an idiot or he's a pain in the ass or he's whatever he is but he's so effing talented so just don't say stupid shit to him or don't get him riled up i, I like, have a suggestion try
0: yeah. rubbing his earlobe
8: yeah yeah <laughs> 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 e- Do what it takes, right?
7: Sometimes it's it's a kick in the nuts. Um,
8: And also just
0: shocks. I'm like, what's happening?
8: (laughs) Yeah, the thing is, like, you... Yeah, you do have a lot invested in that rider. So how about you recognize that big investment and do whatever the hell else you need to do to get your money back out of it right
1: you get him down the track yeah yeah but the the one thing for me is that
7: my road wasn't a straight road uh, my career was over two or three times and i got pulled out of the ashes somehow jason, mm-hmm. sorry. Oh, jason hello hawk <laughs> jason pridmore saved yeah. my career um, I had a few. You're friends- like a
1: phoenix, uh, darling. You're a <laughs> phoenix rising.
7: <laughs> so I got to experience the best and the worst in racing. I got to be around right. some of the best teams in the world. I got to be around some pretty hard asses too. And through that experience, you know, in hindsight, I learned a lot of things of how to manage each situation. And so, it's given me a lot of value to a guy and Bobby or Garrett's or Cam Peterson's position. Right how to deal with all these pressures coming from different ways. And sometimes it's, it's not easy to say, look, there's not an easy answer. And there, there is a time that's going to come in your career. Like I, I got the talk from John Ulrich. that if you crash another motorcycle, you're done, I'm going to fire you. I can't afford to keep you anymore. And you go, okay, well, I can't slow down because if I don't get results, you're going to fire me anyway. Mm -hmm. So what do I do? Mm -hmm. Right. I'm caught. So I just went for broke. And I said, you know what? I'm either going to make it or I'm going to die trying. And fortunately, I made it before they went the other way. (laughs) And and at some point, you know, you're not going to have a backup plan. So what can you sleep with at night when you go to bed? Can you go to bed and sleep knowing that you put everything out there and it wasn't enough? Or I, I had a little extra in the tank and I was just afraid to do it. And and it's trying to make sure that those guys kind of walk down the right line that they can go to sleep every night and go, yep, I did everything I had. That was everything. You I
1: know had. what I what I hear when I hear both of you talk? I mean, here's a couple. You've absolutely devoted your lives to motorcycles, and you still have this visceral love and passion of it. And particularly you, Melissa. You gave hey. up. A career in accountancy <laughs> you, Right now, what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. Uh, this backfired. Right now, right now you could be, be doing wearing. Taxes. You could be wear. You could be wearing a pencil skirt and heels and little half round glasses.
8: I and I could have more than twelve dollars in my bank account. <laughs> right, right. But, but
1: you,
7: you see, <laughs> both. It. I like right now.
8: You know, N- nothing else I, makes me feel the way riding a motorcycle makes me feel. You know. Right
1: the the recycle garage i mean we really all of us in our own ways have devoted our lives to bikes and our our lives have been changed the trajectory of our lives and the expectation of our lives have been changed because of motorcycles i think every one of us um good and bad (laughs)
5: <laughs> well, I, I, right? I
1: see that so much with you too
8: yeah I mean and I think one thing that separates us from a lot of our peers we didn't grow up like with this as a preordained destiny for us nobody had it planned for us and we both had to fight really hard for the opportunities and I think that you know I say like, like Elena, when I'll never forget when Elena Mm -hmm. decided to retire from racing, a lot of people like didn't understand it, but Elena grew up and all she knew was racing motorcycles, you know? And I remember her like telling me, I think at some point when she was racing, she got a job as like a barista at Starbucks or something. And I was thinking to myself like, oh shit, that's like a novelty to her, you know, like She's Uh everything was always about motorcycles. It was all she really knew. And for me, like I grew up, I, you know, I, I rode BMX bikes. I played baseball. I was on the swim team. I did water polo. I tried smoking weed once or twice. I, I did a bunch of stuff. And in the end of it, I was like, I got to try racing motorcycles and I can tell you of all the stuff I've tried that's what I choose and that's what makes me happy and that's what I want to do. And I think a lot of our peers, it's motorcycles are all they know. They don't know anything else. I think
7: it's hard in, in anything in life to know true love for something without hardship in some way.
0: Right.
7: Yeah, I agree. You, for you sure. know, like the, the fact that I knew, I, I knew from day one, I never imagined I could ever be a pro racer. So when the opportunity came around, I knew that every day it could be the last opportunity i get. And I was never going to do anything that cool again because I didn't have, I, I had a high school education, zero job history. Like I was a mechanic in a, in a dealership on watercraft. Like I was not going to be putting a Big roof over our head, doing <laughs> well, anything other than racing a it, motorcycle.
0: It makes sense while well, so, you married up, so you'd have them, well, here you go. <laughs> that as a backup. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that, that, that,
7: <laughs> so, you know, when I, that my, when I was in my when I was in my forties and are racing a motorcycle, and people are like, "Man, you're willing to put so much on the line." I'm like, "I love this." And mm-hmm. anybody, I told Cameron Bobier, like I loved that boy. He was a great teammate, and I, I, believed in him, and I loved him. And I said, I promise you this: I will never give you one for free. If you beat me, you earned it every single time because I love this. And if you want it, you're going to have to take it out of my cold, dead fingers. I want. I, I'll never give it up.
0: So I got, <laughs> I, I got right. some. I got some questions for you guys, just as racers. I would like to get your opinion on this new craze this thing that's going on the king of the baggers i want to know what you guys (laughs) think about this
8: i i wanted to hate on it so bad like when (laughs) i first heard about it i was like oh come on like what is this about Mm -hmm. but then these guys showed up and like a couple of those bikes like dude i could tell well i actually got to see the bike that sns built while they were working on it right and like those guys poured so much.
7: Is that Tyler's bike? The yeah. yeah.
8: A
0: lot Heart of work into
8: and him. effort it and technology. And, and like, you know, some of those guys really, they took it seriously. And you could tell the, that, that love you put into a race bike. Mm-hmm. You could see that they did that. And then seeing Tyler ride that bike, like honestly brought joy to me. And actually, it was just, actually
7: Hayden trying to keep up. Yeah. That like, was like, see,
8: like, It's not the racing I'm used to, and I really wanted to hate on it, but, like, at the end of the day, like... It was racing. Some of the most fun (laughs) we've had has been on TTR 125s in our backyard. Who the hell am I to judge?
1: Right. So... And and Melissa, your girls, they're going to be messing around with 35 horsepower Royal Enfield Continental GTs.
8: And you know what? People were even laughing when I was building my my role until the flat track bike like okay so i bought an olin's front end for the thing because why not and as yeah, i why built, not yeah people are like oh okay like that's silly <laughs> like you know like those motorcycles they're like five thousand dollars brand new off the showroom floor and so people are like what are you doing like that's silly and even i was like this is a silly project it's so silly like it's funny it's, it's fun. just double
7: the value right there
8: yeah but you know what like <laughs> In Andy, the end,
7: Andy Debrino rode that thing and loved it.
8: Everybody oh. who I have let ride this motorcycle has been like, "This thing is like, it's magic. It's so fun to ride." I let, I let another friend of ours ride it, and he wrote me a check and told me to build him one. You know, so, <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. I, li- like, so I like magical
1: bikes like that. Yeah. You don't you don't need 200, 250 horsepower to have fun? No, you and don't.
7: Man, I tell you what, I got so many calls for that bagger thing everybody yeah. under the end called me and asked me if i wanted to ride a bagger and uh i i'm still i still have a very strong tie with with yamaha and nobody yeah. built any yamaha so that kind of ruled me out of most of them but mm. it was funny because terry vance was like oh i heard you might be interested i go oh, i appreciate it i got me Yamaha am a guy i go but i gotta be honest after watching hayden gillum ride that thing i go you made the right call. I don't know if I'd have stuck my neck out there the first day did riding that
3: thing. <laughs> See, you know? Watching yeah. those, watching those go through the corkscrew sh- was something else. I mean, yeah, that was the I coolest mean. part right there. Just Benson wild. And
4: Hines backing into those turns of that thing, just burp, everyone perfect. That was crazy. Yeah.
8: <laughs> and you guys, like, I don't because I'm looking at lap times all the time, so. We were there racing that weekend, you know, I was working for a rider in the Stock Thousand class and uh, I gotta tell you those top two guys did lap times faster than some people entered in Stock Thousand
3: damn wow wow that's perspective of, yeah. yeah fast fast guys are all fast guys and girls are always fast right Absolutely i remember right. michael yeah.
7: barnes barney told me that they got like 165 pounds off of the motorcycle and it was still over 500 it was like 520. <laughs>
8: wow the big oh, like, the big thing is frankie yeah. looping the thing oh out. my god yeah. did you
7: guys see that frankie garcia looped it out hey, on garcia? The, doing a practice start no. Yeah. no yeah. Wow.
8: Wild. Like I'm like I didn't even know you could do that. Like that just shows me how wild those things are.
0: So torque. My 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 next question again as racers, I want to know both of you your opinion on who has who's been the who's the best racer that's ever lived. Like who <sighs> That's a hard one. I know. Because there's different styles I, and there might be somebody you really I appreciate.
7: I can't point at one. Not King Kenny.
0: That's what a lot of people say.
7: Well, here, here. So here you go. Like I said, my late, my late start, right? Mm -hmm. When I got into motorcycles in high school and I started hanging out with those military guys is when Two Wheel Tuesday started up. And some of the first races I ever watched were, I think TNN did American sports cavalcade and they showed 750 super sport. And I remember watching Aaron Yates and Jason Pridmore and guys mm-hmm. that I ended up racing against a couple of years later. And then there was the GP guys. I watched Kevin and Wayne and, mm-hmm. and Nick doing, and, uh, you know, Crevier and those Kravitz. So I, that group of guys all racing up there and in GP a little bit, and but at that time in high school, it was all about brand more than it was rider, anyway. And so, from there, I just started club racing, not knowing anybody even in pro racing other than the couple guys I'd seen on TV once or twice Miguel, and like I said, Jason, I remember Russ Katzenberger, and those guys at Loudon at the Loudon Classic they used to show on TNN, mm-hmm. and then. All of a sudden, in 1999, I got dumped in there with all these guys. And I, I was starting to see that there was Grand Prix out there, but it was all Valentino.
5: Mm-hmm. You
7: guys like that. And But all of a sudden, I'm dumped on the racetrack with Matt Mladen, Miguel de Hommel, Doug Chandler, the Bostrom <laughs> brothers, Curtis Roberts, like Jamie Hacking, like all of them. Were, were you shitting bricks? no but there were a few moments in my career that i remember when i got on with honda curtis and Nikki had burned miguel a few times in qualifying where he let them draft off of him Mm -hmm. for a lap and then he would get behind them and they would sit up and not give him the same courtesy Mm -hmm. so me i just saw every opportunity to ride with miguel as a chance to learn and i would do anything he wanted like Chester and the, and the big dog, you know, hey Butch, hey Butch, you want to chase cars? You know, yeah. whatever. And so I, w- I had no issue with dragging Miguel around. If he thought I was fast enough, it was a compliment that he wanted to mm-hmm. ride around with me. And so I can remember chasing him at Sonoma and qualifying and him doing this, leaving this huge black mark on this brand new tire. And I remember going, wow, okay. If that was what it takes to make it, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this because I didn't have a skill set that could do that at that moment. And honestly, coaching was non-existent at that time. Uh So it was just like, I just had to figure it out the hard way. And so there were a lot of times where I was out there and I would just see these amazing things that Aaron Yates and Miguel and all these guys, these things they would pull off. And I would think, that was incredible. I don't know how I'll ever come up with that, and I just had to, to figure it out. So my heroes were actually the guys that I was racing against, and I got to see <laughs> firsthand the details of things you can't see on TV. I watched Aaron Yates on a GSX-R600 in the corkscrew make the flick so hard from left to right that he rode the front wheel all the way down the corkscrew, oh. and he still actually pulled a gap on me on the exit. And I just wow. was- Huh? Like, visit. It didn't make sense, you know? And so there were a lot of opportunities that I got like that. And the other guys were a world away. And I couldn't touch that. And I couldn't see it the same way. So I don't have a good feel for saying the best racers of all time. But I can tell you that Valentino Rossi is a smart guy. And mm-hmm. he's a pretty. Incredible thing that he's done to adapt through the series of the, all the different things that he's been able to do and stay motivated at the level he has Mark Marquez has got something he's, a, he's the reflexes of a cat he's got a feel that's, that's he's an enigma he's different than everybody else in a certain way and he's one of those guys that's that talented like Anthony Gobert talented and has the focus that guy finally came along and he's pretty incredible to watch, even yeah. if I'm not his biggest fan, his, what he can do, the craft that he's built and what he's capable of doing a motorcycle. It's, it's an, it's awe inspiring and impressive, but I see it in guys in dirt track. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I see guys like Jared Meese who on a changing yeah. racetrack somehow finds a way to get himself to the front every weekend, you know, and, and that that's kind of a a weird paddock where everybody kind of nips. They're all friendly, but they all nip at each other a little bit too, you know, and they're all chirpy and stuff like that. But the guy finds his way to the front every time. And it's impressive to watch a guy with the confidence in his element, be able to pull that off. And so I can't narrow it down to one guy. I've I've been around some incredibly talented, you know, I, I raced with Nikki Curtis Roberts was probably one of the more underrated Mm -hmm. talents out there. Um, and I, but I got to see as a human being how tortured he was. That he would never, he never felt like he was going to be enough. Um, because I, I would sit in these in these autograph lines where Miguel De was there with a line out the door. Nicky's was there with a, with a line around the block. <laughs> Curtis was there. And then me with about three people who felt sorry for me because they didn't know me but they were going to take my poster because the other four guys were at their poster.
0: i was one of those three i'd like to point out oh, man. posters I up in the garage i think that's the one
7: i got on the wall
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly so but thank you're, you for you're
7: that in, you know you're in this company and, and i'm sitting next to curtis and i'm telling you there wasn't a single one of them that came up and said curtis i think you're amazing mm-hmm. every one of them said man i am such a big fan of your father I'm such mm-hmm. a big fan of your brother Kenny, who's a world champion right now. And you rode good yesterday, or you just and and it had embittered him so much. He was so burned mm-hmm. up with it. Wow! On top of how competitive he was with Nicky Hayden, the two of those things together, just they were coal inside of him, and it and it just it turned him sour. Now he he was absolutely incredible on a motorcycle and could have done it all in the right environment, I think, but I got to watch him burn out from the inside from all the stuff around it.
0: That, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, both of you said you did it because you love doing it. And if it, there's something that taints it and makes it hard to love. Uh, he, makes he never had
7: a chance. There was yeah. never a day that people didn't say, or call him Kenny, which ate him alive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
8: I mean, I like, on a. On a way smaller scale, I can even relate. Just like how much Josh Hayes' wife I've gotten. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be somewhere in the same autograph lines. People be like, "Do you know where Josh is at?" And I'm like, "Well, it's not my fucking turn it's, to watch him." It, <laughs> as much as you don't like it, yeah. If Melissa, you
7: rides better be in the kitchen. Motor, <laughs> if Melissa rides a nice motorcycle, it's because of me. Yeah. Because if she built her own clean, beautiful motorcycle, right. she only has what she has because of something i've accomplished which doesn't make any sense but yeah. i see where they're coming from but it's oh, it's easy oh. to to facelessly do something and say something right like yeah and it's and it's still hard like to for hear. me
8: it's irritating right like, it's still but hard I can, to hear yeah but i could only imagine like for someone to just constantly have someone be like your dad your brother your dad your brother and you're like mm. hey a-hole i'm on pole for the super bike race today <laughs> <laughs> like hey, <laughs> you,
5: you know
7: right. like we're First and foremost, we're athletes mm-hmm. and, and professional athletes, even though they exude confidence, no matter what, they're the most insecure human beings on the planet. Wow. And there can be, you know, social media is the worst because there could be some nice video written up about me and there could be 150 comments in the positive and one guy, right? Who I've never met before go, Josh Hayes is a hack and it's going to bring every insecurity in my body right to the surface. And I'm going to go, is he right? Is everyone else just being nice? everybody else, the whole rest of the world feels like my mother telling me I'm cute. You
5: know,
7: and and,
1: it it, did Melissa nailed it earlier. And I mean, it's a very, very real thing. Imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. is something that is shared amongst people who are genuinely good at what they do. Yeah. The chances are the guy or the girl standing on top of the tower, beating their chest, saying they're the greatest. Yeah. Aren't. And the truly great ones are the ones that are like, do I belong here? <laughs> <laughs> or it, right? it, it, it's not just racing. It's mechanics. It's, it's
5: everything. Life.
1: But I mean, it's, I it's think,
8: life. I think that having a healthy amount of self doubt is probably what, like spurs you on to keep working oh, yeah. and be better, you know, be better at what you're doing. It's just like that constant act of like not letting it eat you alive.
7: Yeah. How are you temper trying- it.
8: Yeah. And use it <laughs> or having someone to talk you off the ledge. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and also having the support that you guys give each other, I'm sure yeah. has been very really helpful. Well, to have you, somebody who you understands. You're
8: so
1: married. It's funny. <laughs> you you well, guys are great.
7: Well, something you asked about earlier if you mm-hmm. want to talk chat about it for a second was like talking about racing and riding and there was a time where i was probably the foremost expert on road racing in this country mm-hmm. <laughs> and i couldn't talk to my wife about riding a motorcycle it didn't matter what i saw on track i had to go tell jason pridmore hey man i see this thing Will you talk to her about it and go the other way mm-hmm. because it ended in tears no matter what and it and it took us a, a bit of a learning process to go okay There are a lot of people in the paddock who can help her ride a motorcycle better. I'm the only one that could be her husband. The only one. Right. And I had to just let it go. And I had to let it be what it was. Now, in time... It's gotten better. Even being married, it took 10 years of being married for us to be able to be confident enough to go, Okay, I see this. And I got to see how she takes it and then figure out how to explain it. That I'm not trying to, to hack on you. I'm telling you I see this. And... These are the things we can do to combat it. And figuring out, figuring it out, it's taking yeah. quite a bit of work.
8: I mean, like but- we had this one like really epic day. Mm-hmm. We were at Jennings, um, and I was still racing 125s at the time. I don't know why. For some reason, I was riding Josh's CBR 1000 like practice bike at a track day. And all day long, Josh is like, you need to be deeper and turn one on the brakes. You need to go deeper. Like, why can't you go deeper? And I'm just like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And like, we get to the end of the day and he's like, I just wish, like, I just wish you could tell me why you can't like go a brake marker deeper. And I like snapped and cried because there's a lot of crying and racing (laughs) and said, because I'm fucking scared, asshole. Like are you happy? Are you happy?
7: You got it out. Are you of happy? It. Yeah. I admitted it. I'm
8: scared. <laughs> and he was like, no shit. Of course you're scared. Why? Why are you scared? Yeah. And I was like,
7: like, I'd be scared too. I
8: said, cause, the, motor- far, cause no. the motorcycle feels like it's not going to stop. And then he's like, it's cause the brakes need to be blood or like something. So <laughs> right. stupid like that. He was like all day. He was just trying to get out of me. Like
7: the right information, Mm -hmm. the right
8: information, so he could help me go faster. But like all I was feeling was like someone was
0: like judging,
8: Uh, yeah, attacking me as a human or as a racer. (laughs) Like, and it took a lot of years to like get past that.
7: Now, honestly, I think things are a lot more open discussion. There's a lot more asking questions. Oh.
8: Oh, is he okay? No, he's
0: yeah, fine. He's okay. fine.
7: There's a, there's a lot more asking questions on the mechanical side, on the riding side. We're both yeah. coaching, and so yeah. we're both talking about what we see with other people, and and she helps me as much as when she sees me interact with somebody of like, hey, I saw this thing, maybe try this, like, and we. I feel like we both kind of work together about a lot of these things. Everything from bike setups to riders that we're working with to mm-hmm. riding ourselves. Now it's a lot more of an easier discussion because there's a lot, we, we have now built a rapport with one another that we're not attacking character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it took a long, and long also assault. I think
8: it was like, it took us a while to understand also like the different like languages that people speak too Cause like when Josh and I talk about what a motorcycle does or doesn't do, like, especially you have to think when we first met, I was sort of just starting as a racer Josh had been in it for a long time, so, like, the problems I was having racing were things that he was no longer thinking about, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, had moved on so far from, and and I think a lot of the language I was using to try to, like, describe problems I was having, like, wasn't necessarily, like, the right language or the right words and it's and a, i
7: wasn't exactly a crew chief who was figuring these things out yeah it but
8: it's so good now though because like <laughs> now through all these years like we learned a lot from that so like you know like when i'm working with a rider and they're saying like the bike doesn't turn i understand now it's not like the bike does, is the bike hard to turn in or is the bike leaned over and not turning or is it not finished? You know, like
7: start figuring out what questions to ask.
8: Yeah. Like I think both of us learn that we need to ask a lot more questions than just the initial one, you know? And that's the the
0: value that you guys have now. And and as I mentioned before, we've talked to a lot of ex-racers like Mert Law, like Wayne Rainey who you're still have a lot to give to the sport. And and it's kind of fascinating to watch you guys in that transition now and finding your place and what you have to give and and who to help. Um, Josh, you uh, have a J force. You want to tell us about that?
7: Yeah, that kind of, uh, that kind of started as, when we got to Southern California mm-hmm. and, uh, I was having my success and especially when I started mentoring some of the younger guys, we started getting quite a few of them that would show up in January and February in the area and just want to come out and, and cycle with us and ride motocross and stuff like that. And it was funny because when you put a bunch of racers in a group, a bunch of guys all at the top level, everything they did, everybody had a strength and a weakness, but everybody's level, everybody started getting closer in every aspect and Mm -hmm. it started to level out, but everybody's level was going up on everything that they did. And then they get to the racetrack and exude this new confidence. And all of a sudden these were guys that were starting to hit harder and harder and harder every year at the races. And so we started kind of seeing the value in, in doing it. We had just been doing it for fun. Well, as things have changed with my career and where mm-hmm. we're going and we start trying to figure out how we're going to survive and stay involved in racing. Um, I started working with a, a handful of guys. And so our first J force camp ended up being Bobby Fong, Cam Peterson, Corey Ventura, uh, Garrett, Garrett Gerloff. Garrett. Mm-hmm. And then we brought in kind of Hunter Dunham mm-hmm. as kind of our beta test for someone who wasn't one of the top level pros and we did a 14 day camp with these guys where we just abused them. And I made them do, we did all the things. We did supermoto flat track. We rode motorcycles, we rode bicycles every day. And then I started finding things out of their comfort zone. I made them do a golf lesson. <laughs> we talked about doing a surf lesson. Uh, tennis. We, we did a tennis lesson and we kind of scored them and made them competitive in every, in every one of these things. And I made them do something they weren't good at. Mm -hmm. Eric Gerloff got so mad on the tennis court that he walked off the court. (laughs) Wow. And it took a while for him to come back out and kind of see the value and, okay, I'm not good at something and I got to figure it out. Because Mm -hmm. I felt like we had to figure out how to open up our eyes when we're already at the top level of something like motorcycle racing. And you feel like you're getting everything out of it that can be gotten out of it. How do you step back and find and be creative and come up with a new idea? It's something to move forward, and usually you're you're lucky to have a team of people around you that can help you find these things. But you still want to be able to do it yourself. And I felt that learning how to be competitive in other aspects of your life or in other sports, other things like that, tennis was very different from motorcycle racing as is golf, where you gotta you go through a motion and then you have to forget everything about it and go back and start over Mm. in tennis because we do things in repetition i would make a mistake in tennis and i would give away three more points trying not to let that mistake happen again rather than playing each individual point as they should be and though i can't exactly apply that to motorcycle racing it still worked in life in a way to being able to step back and reset and come back into something fresh and I wanted to, to take these things to all these guys. We talked and we we worked on several aspects of racing, but eventually mostly you just put all these guys in a room and they're going to be competitive and they're going to raise their, all their levels and they do it together and build some camaraderie within their, their community also, because this is a small traveling circus. It really is. And so it worked out really well. And so we've done one one customer camp since then, uh, and, it, and it went pretty good. But we've been a little slow to push it really hard, and we're kind of doing it on a slower, smaller scale. And we're still going to all the Moto America races. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I still kind of do the J-Force thing with my spotting and coaching with the pro-level guys. And we're starting to open it up more and more to more people.
8: And doing, like, one-on-one coaching at track yeah,
7: days Yeah, quite well. a bit of one-on-one at track days with amateur guys too. So
8: I love hearing
0: this. And, Melissa, tell me if I'm off base on this. Um, Josh, it sounds like you didn't have a free pass racing. You just figured it out. You worked and worked and worked, and you made your niche and, and, you know – you were your own man you brought something to the table that someone else wasn't bringing and that's why you got the job and it sounds like with coaching you're doing the same thing you're figuring it out no one's telling you how to do it you're figuring out what works and you're bringing it to the table and i think that's something about you it sounds like you just are a smart person who really figures out how to do the best job you can
8: well i'm Thank you. <laughs> I think, <laughs> words. I mean, one thing I'll say though, like I've seen with Josh, like at first coaching didn't really appeal to him a lot because mm-hmm. you see it all the time. You see people sign up and go to race schools or go to wherever um, and not leave any better than they started. Or, but And Josh would sometimes say like, I don't want to do that. Like I want to see someone make progress. Like I don't want to just cash their check. Like I don't want to just take money from someone because they want coaching from Josh Hayes. Mm -hmm. Like I want to see someone actually like listen to what I'm saying and get better from it. So I think that's what's motivated him to like find ways to get through to people. You know, you can you can talk until you're blue in the face about something, but, the, <laughs> but there's something about getting a bunch of people, you know, and training them as a, as a pack, you know, our, our dog trainer did it with our dog, you know, she trains dogs <laughs> in a pack, because they learn from one another. And it's, it's the same with humans, you know, you get a group of them together, and you get them working on stuff and they're they're all gonna, like Josh said, like raise the level, you know, and if Josh can help facilitate that and stand on the outside and point out the thing, point out where people are coming up short and, and force them out of their comfort zone. I've, I've seen it like, even recently, like when we had a group riding and Josh pulled a kid off and said, I want you to work on this one thing, you know, like work on your riding. And we all know when you're working on something, you often have to like slow down to work on it. Mm -hmm. And there is another, I mean, this is a young kid, like a 12 year old and there's another young kid out there like, wanting, to race, wanting him up. to race with him and like getting around him and like trying to cut him up. And for me to see this 12 year old have the maturity right. to like center himself and like, let that guy go and focus on what he's working on. Like to me, was like huge, you know? And, and so I think, I think Josh, I mean, I imagine from what I see, like there's satisfaction in that, like in, in actually being able to see a result, like see someone get better at something versus just, make a paycheck. And I've actually
7: been surprised because I've been pretty selfish as an athlete, my whole career. (laughs) And, And I never could have imagined that I would have felt the emotion. And, and from the success of someone else that's happened a few times when Garrett won his first super bike race at Laguna Seca, watching him do it from the front was pretty amazing. Then when we went, i felt like racecraft was one of his weaker sections and we worked on his racecraft a lot so when he went to pittsburgh and went through the guys to the front ran off the track and then had to go through the guys again to beat them that was just like man that's what we had been working on and i was like i I was overwhelmed with how much i felt good for it when cam peterson put together the season that he put together there was a few hardships that we talked about how to get through and had to try to work through a few things and to see him do it successfully Mm -hmm. just like we had planned it and talked about it was and, and to see his confidence just start just going through the roof was incredible bobby same thing to see him get up from injury be tough be stoic plow through it and end up winning the championship and doing it in fine fashion with all the pressure on coming up and bringing the goods when it counted all those things man brought incredible pride to me that I was just able to be a part of those things so more it was more rewarding than I ever would have believed
0: so here's a question for you I know a lot of times when we go to the races they have all these little other little side things going on and one of my favorite things to watch is the strider bike races. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen you have a strider bike for your son, right? Are, no you, the, are you Has he has he, have you put him in a race yet? We have
8: not.
7: Oh. You know, here's a funny thing about this little turd back here. <laughs> Melissa Melissa is gung-ho, fired up. Yeah. And actually last week she took him to the BMX track. And nice. and he wants to ride but he's a slow burn on a few things and there was nothing we could bribe him with to get him <laughs> to go out and ride on the track now i i think some of this could and be this is my-
8: this is from a kid that we've taken to another bmx track who rode his stasick around until he ran through two batteries but there was no one there all by you himself know, all on a bigger
7: track though. right
8: yeah this mm-hmm. was like a smaller track but there was like a ton of big kids there and he was just like
7: overwhelmed,
8: not having mm-hmm. it
7: just would, would not have anything to do with it. He, he would watch and he liked being there, but he, w- un- unless mom and dad rode on the track with him, I'm not going out there. And so there's my, my, I, when I graduated high school was deathly shy. My, my father, deathly shy. And it, if it wasn't for motorcycle racing, I never could have spoken loud in front of anything or anybody and it took me a long time to get comfortable with it but i think hawk's got a little bit of that shyness in him Mm -hmm. and is he we can't get him to say hello and goodbye to people he warms up in his time but if you go over there and you knock him down and want to wrestle with him then you can't get rid of him you're stuck with him
1: so. I'm like that.
5: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so if, you, if, you, if you want, if you want to like brawl with me, if yeah. you want to yeah. fight me, that's the easiest way to get me to be your friend.
8: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it, so, the thing like at the track that was like so hard for me, like I was like having to like talk to myself and be like, be cool be cool, like act it's, casual, it's, like act <laughs> like
7: It's trying to figure out how to pop the cork without getting hit in the face with it is all you're trying to do. Because yeah. once it's out, he's going to have a great time. We just haven't quite figured out how to get the cork out in a, in a manageable manner. And I'm he's breaking a light.
8: Yeah, he's um, a <laughs> very strong-willed individual. So it's, yeah, no, he, he sure gets it for me. Not even he'll he'll let you
3: know when he's ready. He'll let yeah. you know.
8: And like, ah. Yeah, I mean, like you know what I mean? Like there's no rush like the kids 3. Like yeah, of course like for I can't help it, man. I want to watch my kid whip all those other kids ass. But I'm going to try really hard not to be that terrible moto mom standing in the corner it's screaming, the we're going home." There it is.
0: And if it's okay, I'd like to give a quick plug to an organization that I'm working with right now and I think uh you're familiar with is All Kids Bike.
8: Oh, yes. So we we just like. We actually have like huge news with all kids bike right now. Oh, yeah. So going into Daytona last year, we set a goal to raise the funding to help the elementary school, which is like right down the street from us, get set up with with their whole program, which they all kids bike supplies them with striders, which are convertible Mm -hmm. to regular pedal pedal bikes. And they give curriculum so that they can actually teach every kindergartner how to ride a bicycle. So it's huge, such a big deal. And so our goal going into Daytona was to raise the money to fund this, this one school that's close to us. And we got about halfway there. And as you all know, like right in the middle of the event, it got canceled and we kind of like lost all of our steam and um, it was frustrating and we were kind of brainstorming, trying to figure out how to pick up where we left off. And then a couple anonymous donors just came in in the last week or so and got us to the goal. So, in the new year, we get to deliver a fleet of bikes to the <gasps> elementary school right down the street cool. from us.
3: Dang. Nice. Right yeah. on.
8: So, we're super pumped about that. Like, we are big fans of everything two wheels, including bicycles. And just selfishly for me, like you're not going to teach a kid to ride a motorcycle unless they can ride a bike first, right? So the more kids we get riding bikes, the more kids we're going to get on motorcycles too.
3: Do you uh, have, do you have the elementary school race team uh, already set up? <laughs> so
8: I'm going to totally be out there like scouting kids out. <laughs> exactly. <for sure. laughs> Headhunting
3: the hooligan team. <laughs>
0: exactly. Well, I'm I'm hoping that that Hawk is the future of the the you know, the family racing. No. But yeah, only I, I, if he wants to. Golf or
7: tennis, please.
0: He's, <laughs> he's, he's certainly he's
1: certainly got it in the gene pool. Yeah. So you know we oh can but hope, darling. Yeah.
5: You
7: should see him on the Strider because he rides it inside the house every day. And he's now riding in socks. And he goes to one end of the house and he flips it around and does a complete like skid slide one eighty like flicks nice. around. Getting it. like yeah. he, he crashes a couple of times a day from awesome. slippery floor his balance nothing his him.
8: balance is pretty incredible like i have to give him that um and like josh and i have talked about the one thing that's been neat is like he's not like a wild man like you can see he
7: doesn't just send it
8: he takes very calculated risks you know like he, yeah. he
7: works into things
8: mm-hmm. yeah but at the same time, it's like, he's got the balance. He has the skill, but he, he doesn't
7: fail a lot. It's a problem. Yeah. He doesn't mess up much. He doesn't fall. Like he tips over a lot, but he he hasn't,
8: he hasn't had any like big sense. Yeah. He'll, he'll <laughs>
7: get to something that he's not sure about and he'll just go, nope, I ain't doing it.
5: Smart.
8: And then Smart. you'll wait.
7: Yeah. He'll, he'll ride around for a while and then he'll just go do it without even telling you.
5: Yeah. And like, Hey,
7: mm-hmm. I thought you weren't going to do that. Nice. You're like, yeah. yeah. I got this.
3: Yeah, wait till he starts riding motocross, right?
8: Well, oh, he's, got, he's already riding. He's got a little offset that
0: electric. The electric right bikes now. are great.
8: And I can say, can't say this because he's got your muffs on right now. But I think Santa, Santa might be bringing him a PW50. So, Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, nice. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I we've been talking a long time. I want to wrap up and thank you guys so much for joining us and sharing your story. Yeah, what a great interview. Uh, thank you, guys. Are there great. any websites or anything? Do you want to plug where people can follow you? Anything like that?
8: You know, the best way to keep up with us, honestly, is just on social media. Mm -hmm. We're both, you know, on Instagram.
7: A lot of Instagram, a little bit of Facebook. Most of our Instagram just kind of pushes over to our Facebook. and Yeah. We're we're trying to tell our stories kind of there, right? Like all the things we're getting into. We did some off-road riding this year for the first time. Mm -hmm. All of our camp stuff and a little bit of everything we get into. We talk about our dog and our boys and
8: documenting building
3: some race bikes as well so i I was going to say the social media the industry it's fascinating because you guys have such a wide breadth of motorcycling that you do it really gives a very rich picture of your lifestyle it's it's really a lot of fun to follow yeah Yeah. we're we're very lucky
0: i definitely want to follow with the royal enfield too because that is an unusual choice it's got to help the brand so much it's a smart move on their part and maybe we'll see you guys at laguna seca
8: soon oh, we'll be there oh, we'll be there so, we'll be uh, there. We'll be there. hopefully you'll be there yeah <laughs> yeah one day yeah. everything's going to open
1: up again you know we've we just got to wait
8: and it was funny
7: this year we were there right at our anniversary because we got married in pacific grove right out there on the end of the point at lover's point right.
4: Right oh man i was that. born there <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have the one P G gang tattoo, I Heart Pacific. Now.
0: Oh my gosh. I love
7: it. So we got married at Lovers Point point yeah. at the time that we Latitudes restaurant right in the corner. Yep. We rented the whole restaurant and had the reception right there. And that Teeny Shake, the the T V oh. chef we all up for us and yeah, it was awesome. So we were there this year Laguna got pushed back and it was right at our anniversary at the end of October. So it's perfect.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm fr- I'm friends with Teeny and his brother Benji, so they're they're still around. Latitudes is long gone. I know. Yeah. I, I heard Teenie's-
7: Isabella's. I heard Isabella's is, going too, right? is mm. gone now too, right?
1: Isabella's is gone now. Teeny's still got his place halfway down the wharf, and Benji still does his whale watching. But um, yeah, happen- Monterey very different now.
7: Did you happen to remember his uh, manager over there, Michael?
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember Michael.
7: Yeah, we were wondering because he was super helpful in in putting the weathering together and and he was always nice because whenever we came back for quite a few years we'd always go there and they'd they'd give us a nice dinner and stuff like that because we'd go back every year and visit them, you know
5: next
1: time I visit um Tini's place down'll I'll check on Michael for you,
5: awesome. hey, you find out what Tini, he's
7: doing if you tell teeny the motorcycle racer that rented the whole restaurant I'm pretty sure he'll remember because he had only oh ever he'll been remember there.
5: And, uh, yeah,
7: it was a pretty cool deal that we did at the end of October. It was perfect weather. And and we had 150 people. Everybody we invited showed up. Everybody. It was crazy. So here's
1: here's a brief diversion for everybody. So Benji and Teeny and the brothers are part of the Shake family who are something of a Monterey tradition. But well, not a lot of people know who their dad is. And it's quite a brilliant story. So their dad is Sabu, who was the, Sabu the Elephant Boy. And Johnny Weissmuller played Tarzan. Mm-hmm. And Teenie's dad played Sabu the Elephant Boy. Oh, my gosh.
8: How crazy. <laughs> that goes wow. bad. There yeah. you
0: go. Wow. Emma has Emma yeah, And he, Emma knows and he married
1: Isabella and then started the whole restaurant chain and so on and so forth.
4: How, How cool was that? is that in your history hole, Emma? <laughs>
1: <laughs> a brief Ooh, history hole about the Sheikh family in Monterey. And i got another friend that's got a place
7: in Pacific cool. Grove, Dean Kasparian. Do you know him? He's in the yeah. music industry and into motorcycle stuff too. Nice. I did a podcast with him recently called On the Porch, I think. He's got a podcast. Oh, right. Goes.
0: I think I saw, saw, saw that come up in a search. Yeah. There you go. Check out Probably. On the Porch. There you go. And cool. you'll find Josh there Okay. So let's wrap up. Thank you guys so much for coming on. We will make sure and come say hi to you at yes. Laguna Seca. And who knows, we might even have a recorder with us so we can catch up yeah, um, and find out what's cool. happening next.
5: Awesome.
1: Um before we go, um, I don't want to end it on a somber note because it's a life well lived, but I want to talk just for a moment about one of my heroes when I was growing up. Um, We all love Norton Commandos here, right? Norton had a thriving race team in the 1970s, and it was led by a very, very dynamic young engineer called Peter Williams, who was a brilliant racer he won the tt many times he basically single-handedly took the john player norton team and turned it into a winning proposition remember this was when against the japanese manufacturers so basically taking an uncompetitive bike and making it a winning bike he's a brilliant guy i met peter many many times he wrecked hard in 74 and that really ended his racing career but he was an engineer to the end. He was a racer at heart till the end. He died today, age 75. Oh. So um, rest in peace, Peter. Rest in peace. You will be missed, mate.
3: Godspeed.
0: Oh, thanks for sharing. And you guys have a, a good holidays, too.
5: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> All right. well. <laughs> well thanks so much for joining us i appreciate yeah, it and, thank you and what a to, great interview and to our listeners i hope you appreciate for podcast 399 what a great gift it was for these two sharing their story thanks guys thanks for having us yeah um jim you've been working on your flat tracker Mm hmm. it's it's getting to that point where it's no longer a rolling chassis. Like when you put all the pieces on, it almost looks like you could hop on and ride away. And it makes you I'm pretty sure you're itching to just ride it.
3: Yeah, you could almost hop on it and ride away, but not really. You
5: know, there's still <laughs> no. so much to Me do.
3: Um, but at least the end's in sight. You know, I've got the the rolling chassis, like you mentioned, Liza swung by today. We couldn't really have a garage day, obviously. Um so i checked in with her she came by with a little socially distance you know garage time and i needed some ideas uh so this is the ascot 500 ft i'm doing and you know some ideas on you know where to kind of route the electronics the wiring and that kind of stuff um you know how to hide some wiring behind a number plate etc how to mount the, the number plates um so we just had some fun messing around with that you know but it is getting close you know i'm starting to fit the wiring harness um you know, getting the controls sorted out, the brakes sorted out, um, you know, and, and hopefully before long, turn it over and see if it'll actually run. So it's nice to have this thing kind of come into fruition. Um, and it's nice because a lot of misfits have helped me with it too. Liza's helped me. Emma's been a tremendous help, you know, holding my hand through the process. So it's really cool to see it coming along. I think the bike looks pretty tough. What
1: Was that your hand I was holding, Jim?
3: <laughs> it is big, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like a mitt.
1: It was. It was like a mick, darling. Like a but, Vienna
6: sausage. Um, it hey. was like Vienna sausage. I have a question for Jim. Hey, Rich. Hey. Uh, how's Jake doing?
3: Oh, man. Yeah, thanks for asking. She's uh, She's living her adrenaline-pumping dream. She, uh, <laughs> so she finished all her kind of her training. She just got assigned to her first uh, helicopter squadron, uh, HSM-49 Scorpions. So she's flying in the MH 60R Romeo, uh, helicopter. So that's the, the one fitted out with all the sensor arrays and basically designed to go find everything and kill it and relay information. So yeah, she just finished her weapons training, um, out at whatever Island it is off San Diego. So, you know, hellfire missiles and L shaped attack gun runs. And,
6: but other than that, she she's be a engaged badass when she gets back.
3: <laughs> oh yeah. She, she's got another tattoo today. Um, was a coffin with nails in it anyway that's our girl (laughs) (laughs) but she's also engaged to another rescue swimmer a really nice young man from texas really they both have their shit together so they just bought a little condo in san diego so yeah thanks for asking rich good for her yeah i was hoping to see her over the holidays but nope
0: (laughs) (laughs) going back today (laughs) going back to jim's bike um when you're building a custom bike, I mean, there's some, there are some challenging things and I'm pointing out, uh, some of the things to, to take up that challenge. Don't cut it short because it's those little details. But one of the things I'm encouraging him to do, and that I showed him that is attainable is, is sheet metal work. Um, being able to make your own battery box or your own pan for electrical. So I think that that is a great, uh, great challenge for you, Jim, to learn how to do that, and um, I, I encourage others, you know, to try and do these these project bikes and learn how to do some basic things. I was telling Jim, yeah, there, we had a cardboard. We made a little uh, mock-up. Um, and these are things that I learned in junior high metal shop. And I'm so proud of the things that I learned then that I can still pick up and apply today. And to be able to look at a, a flat piece of cardboard and show him how to like line it all out and cut it all out and fold it all up. And then you have, you know, a box that you need. That's something that um is so great when, when there are shop classes. I don't know. Did any of you take shop class?
4: Oh yeah. <sighs> we didn't have it. I, I waited and waited for, I wanted auto shop and they had it at PG high. And the first year I went was the year they canceled it. Uh, I remember, like, being in middle school leading up to it in Woodshop for a year or two, and I was like, man, it's a blast, you know? Me and my crazy cousin made a hovercraft, like, stuff got weird, and I was excited to go to an actual auto class, and alas, you know, along with music and everything else cool, you know? We'll turn school into common core math now. I don't know what it is.
3: (laughs) Yeah. It would be nice to see that stuff come back, because, you know, I'm learning this stuff now, and it's, you know, it's not hard. It's just practice and and, and Band-Aids, lots of (laughs) Band-Aids. Yeah um blood sweat and tear right blood sweat and blood yeah Uh, a lot of anger (laughs) you know that's that's when you're polishing metal you work that anger out yeah
1: yeah Uh, exactly but you know this whole cardboard thing do you remember liza when we were at the one show a couple of years ago we visited icon Mm -hmm. and we were in the design studio and um amanda said yeah this is the cad department and that would be cardboard aided design (laughs) and they were working on vents for the side of the helmet just making them out of cardboard first and seeing what looks good
8: so it's legit
1: I mean cardboard is legit I still maintain that cornflakes packet (laughs) is the (laughs) finest gasket material known to man if I wasn't a silly
4: young person that let that motorcycle get away I bet you there'd be a cornflakes gasket in there still to this day oh there, there probably is the probably is sure still there. there. Remember, we found it on Craigslist like ten years later. Yep, hilarious. Yep. Still had the Corbin seat on it, the one-inch yeah. bars, the Norton. Huh. Yeah, this is, this is,
1: this is Rick's old T one forty Bonneville seventy-eight. With the seventy-eight Bonneville with the cornflake packet primary gasket
4: that I learned was painted <laughs> white and green at the factory. Someone told me, but they painted right. over it because they needed
1: black ones for export. So uh-huh. double dip yep. job. <laughs> Flipped over the Yeah, trail. and that quite <laughs> often happens back in the day. Not just with bikes, but Triumph. Um, you know, there was always a quota that so many bikes, you know, the most common color for the T140 was like a claret and white. Mm. Um, you know, you get some order come in from California and we say, oh, we want 30 black ones. And they just spray over. The existing paint job, so you'd get like a double dip paint job mm-hmm. to have really thick paint on it. Oh yeah, that thing was tough. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: and Jim, yeah. there's a the other thing that I always challenge people, and Emma, you, I think you know more than anyone. And now, hey, Mike, Mike, award winning Mike has joined us. What's up? <laughs> he says, "What's up?" Yeah. Um, yeah. I find one of the biggest challenges is trying to mate the seat and the tank and together when they weren't made to fit together. And it always creates an awkward transition. And that's something that Jim has been figuring out. And he took that extra step already and fiberglassed in a recess in the tank to make it all flush. And I'm like, that's awesome. And, I mean, Jim, you can say, I mean, that's a lot of work for this tiny little detail that no one would even know is there. But that, to me, is what it's all about.
3: Well, you know, the tough thing, and this is the first time I've done a complete teardown rebuild, you know, completely is, you know, you you have this picture in your mind. Oh, it's going to be perfect. I'm going to take my time with each little thing and make it great. Well, it takes me like 10 times to get each little thing correct, you know, take it apart, put it together, take it apart, forgot something. Um, So it's, it's struggling kind of drawing the line on where you want to. Like, for example, a new battery box, right? There's existing mounts that'll work for the battery box. Mm-hmm. I can use those, or I could cut them off and do something different. Weld some of the tabs in, some nuts, blah, blah, blah. But that's another, you know, two, three days worth of work, you know, for me to do it properly, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at now is, is I think what I'm, what I'm looking at doing is getting the bike up and running, because I've made a dramatic changes to it already. Get it up and running and have some fun with it, and then kind of pick my project from there. Like maybe, okay, I'm going to take the instrument cluster and condense it to something more modern. That'll be like my project for the month. Like phase and two? Month. Yeah, exactly, right? And then just kind of mess with it over time. But it gets to a point where you just really want to ride it, and I think that's where I'm at. So I'm going to get it going. Then I'll come back, you know, and, and alter things as time goes on. But at this point, you know, it's not going to be a perfect bike. You know, I got Frankenstein fasteners all over the place. I got, That's R&D,
4: you know. too. You know? like that's, <laughs> you, that's you cruising around, and you're like, oh, shit, this sucks. And then you go back, and you're like, all right, wiggle that, do that, pull this, you know. Yeah.
3: That's and it's home. also like yeah like my personality i think people like mike and emma you know they do they tend to do things more right the first time because mm. they have the patience and the technical ability and that's <laughs> not true <laughs> <laughs> that's not true oh my god emma is,
2: is the one true. who does things right the first time me i just start cutting and hope that everything works out the way i think it's, it should be and hopefully that's- by the
4: last time it's kind of right.
5: I think, to be honest
2: with you, yours will be way more sturdy than my bikes. Or somehow my bikes haven't fallen apart, but, you know, I just, I get too, uh, I'm impulsive. I mean, you've taken a year on this bike. I built Lucky Charms in two weeks. And I was like, I hope it works.
3: (laughs) Well, it won awards. (laughs) So you're doing all right. Yeah, it's, it's a so, 10 foot bike. You know what I mean? <laughs> <It's a laughs> <foot bike. laughs> so, but so. it is fun. And, and, you know, the other thing I've realized is you don't have to do it one or it's just like be creative. And I see Emma do this all the time. You know, if you need like some wire mesh to cover a hole, cut up an office out basket. Right. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden you mm-hmm. can put that as a side cover and it looks yeah. cool. so totally. I think, you know, I, I didn't have some rubber grommets yes. I needed to mount some instrument clusters. So I found some old rubber stoppers, ground them down and then yep. wedged them in there and it works. Love it. So yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun.
0: Hey, let me get um the, the group's opinion. I think we have enough people here who might be able to help. So on his bike, it, on his rear master cylinder reservoir, it's one of those usual Japanese white plastic, about the size of a cupcake you know kind of container yeah and i was telling him, get rid of it you can use yeah. anything
4: you use a clear section of hose that goes up a little bit taller so you can keep yeah. a visual on it bolt in the top little safety wire around it boom
2: i know one of the guys at lane split has a cocaine vial that he uses
3: <laughs>
0: Ooh,
2: <laughs> down. nice
3: one of those I like, like sniffer things
0: Oh. <laughs> that in an emergency
3: oh. can you break it open and just take a bump i think so it's, it actually
2: right. says break in emergency
0: no but, um
1: mike's absolutely right you know the only reason that it has that amount of fluid when your ass got rolled off the line i mean japan was still working out you know the details of what brake fluid did and and what it how it boiled and the temperatures it ran. So they tended to put far more in than it needed Mm -hmm. to keep the boiling temperature down because there's more fluid. Quantity. And
6: liability.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, so, yeah, just put a freaking tube on it, like like Rick says. it looked look brilliant. Yeah, I like I that think idea. And I it's
3: so simple. The tube idea, it's, like, clean. You can mount it super easy. I, I'm really, pretty I mean,
4: sure I've seen dudes on the
3: interwebs that, like, have machined and
4: milled, like, little
3: tiny, you
4: know, tits on a thing with glass and a bolt apparatus if you really wanted to, like, geek out on something
1: weird. Oh, you but, can you know, go bananas with it yeah
4: i think the bolt thing some clear hose i dig being able to put a little hash mark in it and kind of knowing where you were in case something's getting weird or wiggly you know Um, if you are giving up capacity and you know that's what richard was saying too that's kind of one thing reliability right so it's like why is all that juice in there if something hits the fan and you figure it out maybe that was that little bit you needed to squeak by you know but you know because motorcycles yeah make it the way you want you know cool
0: but i like the hose too because i mean it's a it's built to look like a race bike and that's something yeah. you know. You remove the weight you just have the hose you don't need to have a seven-year supply of brake fluid um yeah jim you may want to just try and use thicker uh you know clear hose i love the bolt and safety wire at the top that looks so cool yeah, yeah there's like that, that braided
4: stuff i'm thinking of where it's like reinforced i guess make sure it'll jive with brake fluid hey there you go
0: hey um i got another question for the group then um this is another thing that he was struggling with i gave my opinion but i want to see what your opinion is if i may present to them jim on the Mm -hmm. uh honda ascot it has square uh instrument cluster and a square headlight which also matches the kind of squared off tank right um and Yes, exactly. So he doesn't like it that much. And my opinion is, I think it's really cool because it is representative of that era. It was very few years that they used square things.
4: There's a JW speaker replacement for that square light. I feel like a jerk because I just told the world about it. And I was keeping that in my chopper pocket. (laughs) Yeah. Um, a JW speaker originally made lights for semi-trucks and stuff, so you can get one of them future LEDs in a square that'll dump right into that huh. bucket and even put some future light in there without having to do like a weird but, H4 HID that goes out when you hit a
1: button. I, I have a, I, I have an answer for you, Jim, but first a question. Yes. Do you like that light?
3: Um, what I like about it is it plug. it fits the bracket and you can plug and play. It just works. That's what I like about it. But no, I'm not in love with the light at all.
1: So get rid of it. But, so if I could suggest to you mm-hmm. a round light that's as, as equally plug-and-play as that, you'd change it, wouldn't you? Yes. There you are, then. That's the answer. It's your bike. There's, I, say. I would, there's, I
0: would, there's, I would there's more information lose the gauges, too. There's more information about that, though. And the other reason yes. I like that square headlight is he's going to put a square number plate on the front. And you can that's easily okay. cut out the square for the that headlight. And because it's square, it has room above it to put a number. If you go round, it's ah. taller.
4: The radius gets in the way? Yeah. <laughs> See, there's things like this that'll fit in your square provision and get you some future lights, gotcha. which I didn't even think of. And I tripped out because that's what the semi-trucks run, those old square things. Hmm. So, I don't know. If you end up going the path of least resistance with the, the fit and you're making that plate thing jive and you got to do the light thing, there's options. You're not totally screwed. Shape, like man. Said, like Emma said, too, throw it all in the garbage and put on there what you want, too. Always an option. Yeah, exactly. You'll know?
0: oh, buy. I just, I just find it funny because on most bikes, I hate the square. Right? It's so dated. But I think it's this has sad. come around to where it's like, now it's kind of cool. Because like, I've After
4: taken ages a f- already. And the tank shape, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of got some square stuff going I
0: know, on. right?
4: Mm-hmm. I dig it.
0: I know. What I,
2: wheels are you doing I, I say get rid of it.
0: And re- replace it? or just Yeah, I think
2: that, you know, I, th- no. I personally, I mean, like, I feel like what you're saying, Liza, is like taking off the front end on, a, on an old school Katana. And it ruins the look, like the styling of that bike. But to be honest with you, I think you could streamline it a lot more. And a headlight does make or break. a, um, a a bike, you know? And it, and it's like, if you're doing all this cleanup work and all this other stuff, and then you have like this kind of outdated light on it, you know, I think that like, like what Rick was saying too, is if you can find a light like that and create your own system for it personally, myself, I like things as flush mounted to, Mm -hmm. I like an aggressive looking bike. I like a big kind of beefy front end or or even on sleek bikes. Like I like things to be like up and high and then like a flush mounted as close to the possible light. Like one of the things it's I the hate light about light my, deep, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But like on my VTX, the headlight, it's like this massive bucket with this light. And I hate it, but I mean, I'm not going to change it because it's a part of the bike now, but when I had the option with the other, bike yeah, look at that. I, that. I, dude, I would go scrambler light on that thing. Like straight up. I would do like a face plate with like a narrow light and then have that thing sitting off the forks, like an inch. And it looks so dope, just like Liza's um, yellow bike. That is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I love it, the w- the look on that. It's so hard looking. You know what I mean?
4: You can do the one <laughs> tiny light thing just stuffed up in there, one of those little clear waters or something that are stupid bright.
0: Yeah, that's what I did on my flat tracker. I just have two yeah. small round lights cut Step. into the number plate. But, but um, it's, but it's if- so
2: flush to the forks, though, is what makes it look super good. It's just okay. such a sick look you know?
0: Yeah. I think if you lose the square headlight, then you're probably going to lose you lose the square gauges. Then you Who cares though? Yeah.
2: Who cares? Just go get a trail tech and slap it on there or throw uh, yeah. an M unit wiring yeah. kit. No. Yeah. Just say, dude, I trail tech every one of my little bikes. The one I put a full wiring on and it's got your speedo. It's got your temp sensor. It's got all that shit on it and it's very minimalist. You can kind of put it wherever you want. You still have all that. So then that, that helps you to clean up the entire front end. You could use minimalists like, uh, um, led lights that don't stick out. You can get the ones I have on. I actually have a couple here, the, the, the bright ones that go on the forks mm-hmm. and they're round. You don't even see people don't even know you have blinkers on yeah. until you turn them on yeah. and then cool. you got the, yeah, you got the trail tech, which you can kind of put wherever you want behind there. And then you remember on, um, uh, my Z 1000, I built, I took the KTM front end on there and I, I took a piece of metal and I just kind of, bent it and, and and put it where the old mounts were and i bolted the the um instrument cluster right on top of there and then and it be when you looked at it i just wrapped it with carbon fiber wrap and if you people never even knew that the front end wasn't a part of the bike because the, the wrap for the head unit was the same color as the bike and it looked stock and it was the biggest turd there ever was but you know <laughs> the great deceiver i like that. oh absolutely <laughs> all the bikes are 10 footers i'm telling you right now
0: i don't i don't know uh jim you got a great committee here of opinions you got any other parts of the bike you want to ask them about
3: do I know? How much time do we have? Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. and I, I think I think I've just it's gonna be a work in progress. You know, I'll just I'll fart around with stuff. I'll see how this looks, how that works. Like right now I might just run with that headlight for the time being. Mm-hmm. And then as I get motivated to clean it all, I do like, you know, Mike and Emma's suggestions is I am gonna clean it up at some point, get a smaller, cleaner headlight. I'd even like to maybe not get rid of maybe all the instruments, but condense it down to one little cluster you know maybe a speedometer that has all the other info in it um and clean it up because that's the whole idea right is to clean it up as much as you can so but a little but i'm not going to try to do it all at once just do it right just ride the thing now you know yeah, yeah. right phase yeah. two through 100 <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and it's almost like we talk about you know you worry about buying this motorcycle or that one you don't marry the things right if you don't like it you sell it so if i make some changes and i don't like it you just change it again so that's kind of speak kinda...
2: for yourself <laughs> I see this pack rat problem there. I've got I've got a harem I've got a harem in the garage <laughs> You all don't even know <laughs>
4: You got a sardine can I saw that back there man And that's That can't be all of it
2: I know there's more Oh no there there are 17 bikes in my garage <laughs> Wait a minute Bagel There was only yes. 12
1: up Until recently <laughs>
2: What? No, no they're, they're... There were eighteen. There are now
4: seventeen. Did you feed them after midnight or something?
1: <laughs> yes.
4: <laughs> I, I actually got them wet. It's an Italian problem. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> well, and Emma, did you go to see a bike yesterday? Yeah, and
1: I, I want to make absolutely clear that I am not a COVID scofflaw. <laughs> um social distancing was observed we wore masks but my co-conspirator mccarthy and me Mm -hmm. went up to um, triumph san jose also known as spirit motorcycles because they had a preview of the 2021 triumph trident and i thought it'd be fun to drag my 72 up there so i took went up the 72 and we did kind of like a little photo session with the two bikes together which was a lot of fun and um kudos to them it's a very very cool scene up there it's a very very nice shop so um big thank you to all the staff who helped me at spirit oh, who's this would, would they you? would dragging, they help you get the bike started
2: the new- what's that would they help you get the bike started no, I
1: don't need help it. starting the bike, darling. <laughs> um, See me
3: trying to get it started. Was that the uh, Was that the maiden voyage, Emma? Was that the first time you've taken it on a on a kind of a sorted out ride?
1: No, it's it's it it it's it's still kind of sorting out. Um, yeah. So
3: no, we're, we're last not. Time, even...
1: Didn't
3: it, Didn't it catch on fire last time when you went around the block? It
1: has caught on fire. <laughs> um it's caught on fire before no it actually it's tried to set me on fire um but we are actually getting there with it we're approaching fruition with the thing um but you know there's a lot of very very interesting things when you compare the two bikes together i mean you're talking 50 years of technology between the two but what was amazing was how similar in size they both were Hmm. Amazingly similar in size, they're virtually identical in terms of height length, you know, just presence on the road, Um, there's a little bit of weight difference, I would say mine is at least 50 to 60 pounds heavier, but you know, that's modern technology for you. Um, For the past 20 years, I mean, bikes have just been on this massive weight reduction Hmm. If you, if you get on, say, a 2000 R1, you realize how chunky they are compared to <laughs> 2020 and 21 R1s. And so it is with Jixas and so it is with ZX-10s. You know, everything's getting lighter as, as materials get better. Um, but when you compare a 50-year-old bike with a modern one, you realize, Jesus Christ, these things are lightweight. Um, but it's a nice bike. My prediction is they'll sell a bucket load of them.
0: Nice, so so you you actually wrote it?
1: No, I I wrote it. I wrote it a little. It's it was a El Camino Trident sort of joint effort because I'm I'm not quite trusting of that thing yet. I haven't got the bugs out of it just yet. So, so um,
0: just curious. So the Triumph Trident. I mean, the original and this new one. Like, what um, purpose is it? Uh, serving in the lineup of Triumphs you know?
1: Well it's it's an interesting bike and me and McCarthy we were trying to pin down what it is. I mean it's it's, I think it's a street fighter at heart. It's it's quite sporty. It's got quite an aggressive riding position but it's got upright bars. So you sit in it. Your feet are kind of high and back but you've got kind of bars with a one inch rise. It's my favorite riding position. You know, it's like the Guzzi. Everybody who rides the Guzzi, it says that it's the Spider-Man crouch. And the Trident is kind of the same way. It's, it's a little bit smaller than the, the street triple, a lot lighter. Um, really good looking bike. Very, very good looking bike. Um, and the price, I think, is going to be—it's less than ten grand. I mean, it's it's beating the Japanese mm. manufacturers at their own game. Um, I can see a lot of people it being their first like proper size bike uh, after they're done with the with the 250 or the 400, and they want to get like a bike that can take on the freeway or a bike that can ride anywhere. I can see it being that bike.
0: Oh, and this this is a six hundred and sixty, right?
1: Yeah, they come in. They come in a couple of flavors. They come in six hundred and sixty, which is the one we looked at, and I think uh, eight hundred.
3: Is that in the vein of the new Royal Enfields that are coming out? Kind of a similar idea, similar market? Mm,
1: that's a very good question. I mean, Spirit have got a. Um, they're an Enfield dealer. And you know, I'm still—I'm always tickled when I look at those Enfields because they are just such pretty-looking bikes. Those um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, they've got—they've got the one with the chrome and black tank, and it's like, oh God, it's beautiful. But it's um, some of the quality controls a bit choppy. But you can't grumble about the price. I mean, you're talking about a six thousand dollar motorbike. Isn't you can't go is? wrong, really. Um,
2: has their metallurgy gotten better?
1: No. Uh, No, Um, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, um, Sunday. um, Who was one of our regulars in the summer? She bought herself one of the interceptors. I can't. She had a few niggling troubles with it. I asked her pretty candidly about it and she said that was probably going to be her last Enfield experience, Mm. but she didn't really elaborate too much on it. Um, I know, you know, it's, it's one of those polarizing bikes. I know a couple of people who have the Himalayas who absolutely love them, who think it's the best thing since sliced bread. And then other people, you know, they've gotten a bullet and said, yeah, it's okay, but I probably won't do it again. Um, I think my impression like a lot of niche bikes and some of the very exotic stuff as well is niche bikes you want wanted another bike you know you want you want the sport bike you want the Jigsaw, the r1 the zX10 in the garage and something else and it's one of those it's and the other bike
2: mm-hmm. um, mm. no it's always going to be a so- shovel head.
1: Yeah, it's kind of. Think? Yeah, it's it's the other bike, or, or um, a Ural. Or yeah, a Ural. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, it's it. Everyone I know who has a Ural, it's part of a collection. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but it was it was a good scene up there. Once again, the staff are great, um, and i wanted to say a big hello to. I always hang out with the wrenches, so I always end up hanging out with the wrenches. Um, Mike and Jason, you guys are awesome.
0: There you Thanks.
1: go. So there you are.
0: So, you guys, it's Christmas week. Did you see my sweater I'm wearing? My ugly Christmas sweater with Santa.
3: Oh, that is just fabulous. <laughs>
0: Seeing on the right? panhead.
3: That's for Mike.
0: Yeah. <laughs> really, Santa. I like him. So... Um, I thought I would ask you guys, what item are you hoping to get for Christmas uh, for your bike or garage or gear or whatever? I'll tell you mine. I've almost pulled the plug a few times. You know when you're on the website and you're in the checkout and you're like...
4: It's in the cart. You're ready. Duh. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, I've been um, very close to... Um, getting a new seat for the Africa Twin.
5: Mm.
0: They're very expensive.
4: Are you talking hmm. Corbin stuff, or are you? Talking-
0: uh, I've been looking at Corbin, and actually Sergeant. Didn't you already get a comfort seat for that? Not for that. For all my other bikes. Uh, <laughs> yes.
3: You know, I'll tell you something interesting about the Africa Twin and a custom seat. So I went out to Corbin and got a uh, Corbin-made seat for my Africa Twin, right? I think all my, my bikes have a Corbin seat now. Anyway, except a little dirt bike. Um, and it was great. I loved it. And super comfy, to your butt after a while, even better. And it had the kind of two-tier. It had the pillion seat where it raises up a little bit, where on the stock seat, it's a little bit flatter, right? Mm-hmm. So you realize, you know, they know things when they do stock stuff. So I didn't notice it until we're out riding with Jocelyn Snow at the ranch, mm-hmm. and we started doing some adv skill work and um i don't know what we were doing jumping over tires or something we had to get your ass way back right (laughs) right. so i'm stoked (laughs) yeah i'm like here we go okay i'm on a tire the teeter-totter i don't know what it was and i go to put my butt back wham right into the wall of the pillion seat so i ended up having to kind of hop up on the back of the pillion my feet are off the pegs it was kind of silly fun um but i realized you know when you do make changes like that if you do need to slide back on the seat for whatever reason when you're in the dirt you can't do it on a custom seat sometimes so something to think about
0: that's a very good point especially on these kind of bikes um because the seat that's on there is optimal for dirt riding because you can slide around. It's basically a flat two by six, right? And, uh, but if you want to do any sort of touring, not comfortable at all,
4: it probably feels like a flat two by six.
0: Yeah. Which is why I haven't popped on a seat because I don't have any touring planned on that bike. And I have another bike that I use as my touring, my KTM, mm, but, um, and I have an Airhawk seat that I put on just to make it, you know, comfier. Um, but that is a good point, Jim. But for me, that's what I'm I'm looking at. Right. Um, and yeah, and shout out to Sergeant. They make a really nice seat too. But it has that same thing, that little back bump. You know, backrest. But I want to find out from you guys, Bagel. What What are you hoping Santa brings you for Christmas? And Bagel is frozen. Bagel, you there?
4: peace
0: and quiet <laughs> he says <laughs> how about you rick what do you hope santa brings you
4: um i want to <laughs> do some silly chopper things and foot clutch on the panhead chopper do well
2: what i would really like is oh. uh to fix up everybody <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey bagel
6: you're, you're coming in
0: and out hold on this i'll get right back guy, to you, huh? rick, tell me more so what did you say
6: i didn't hear it
0: uh, Rick, so what did you want for your for Christmas? Me? Yes, Rick. Rick. Rick? Me.
4: Alright. Yes. Um, I want a foot clutch for that panhead chopper thing I'm doing. Oh, right. Because if it doesn't have a front brake, it should be more dangerous. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're going to be a bear, you'd be a grizzly bear. And if you're going to wear a dress, you might as well sell the cookies. So at that point, <laughs> I think it's time to go ahead and just do it, you know? So I've Go been in. looking around and snooping, and you know it's on the girlfriend's radar. She's about six feet away listening, but you know, see what happens. That's Santa's problem.
0: That's something that's been on my list for a while too. To have a, a jockey shift foot clutch. I mean, it's just Hopefully. cool. It's just cool.
4: Yeah, I mean, if at this point, you know, it's already impressive if you can drive a stick. So we may as well get it even cooler, you know.
5: <laughs> so
1: Rick, um, what would you put on a mouse trap or a toe to go? I don't know. Well, there's a mousetrap on it right
4: now, which oddly enough works amazing without the spring. So there's always a helper right. spring on those. And yes. without the spring, it just does what it needs to do and goes over radius and works fine. It's really weird. Um, I'm going to take that off and either a rocker clutch setup or like the Lee clutch kind of a thing where it's just a one-sided foot down pops back up. I like the rocker okay. clutch idea because you can kind of oat shit and pop it down and be in a neutral. If you got to figure something out, which, you know, I'll probably have a passenger on there sometimes too. That might be nice, but we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm kind of just throwing caution to the wind and letting the universe build my chopper when I need a thing and it's available. That's the <laughs> thing. Cool. You know,
0: do you need nice. a uh, rear master cylinder reservoir from a 1983 Ascot?
4: Mm. <laughs> it's a mechanical brake. I absolutely I think, do there's, not. I
3: think there's still fluid in it. I won't charge extra. Ooh, wait—is it dot four or five? No. <laughs> yes,
2: he's you got hand—he's got, hand lo- got hand lotion in there. You oh, he's got—he's got,
1: he's got the cornhuskers solution.
4: Wait, this question though, Mike. Are you allergic to any oil-based personal lubricants?
2: <laughs> no, sir. Okay, just <laughs> making sure.
4: Mike's testing the you know, all. Hey, it's Christmas, dude. We got to ask these things. People need to know.
2: Yeah, somebody's um, got to. Somebody's got to go in there. You know what I mean? Amen. It's not an easy job, but they make plumbers for a reason. It's true. Yeah.
1: The thing <laughs> I find so gratifying, Rick, is. As somebody who's known you for the best part of twenty years, you are actually you're developing into the kind of guy who looks like he's he rides around on a panhead chop.
5: <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, I got into that Well, oh, look, there's an yeah, eagle on exactly. the shirt. That's
0: oh, thing.
4: <laughs> there you <we> go. <laughs> Do you have tattoos on your head Do you and... have any
0: skulls tattooed on your body?
4: Do fish fart bubbles? Goodness. <laughs> okay, so real quick, one time working at a bike shop, we were bored and we invented a game which I implore all of you to play called Tattoo Bingo. Oh no! All boy. you need is a okay. piece of paper, and you make your columns of what the tattoo is, who the peoples are, and you just count them up. So we had like flowers, pokey things, skulls.
0: All right. Wait. Far- let's, let's let's try it here. Let's see if we can. Phil, Ooh. so you call out a thing and we'll see if anyone has one.
4: All right. So like who has a rose tattoo?
0: <laughs> Mike, you oh, got wait, a rose?
4: Right <laughs> I have one. Um, all right. So I got who has cherry blossom. blossom. Cherry blossom, flowers, right? Okay, so flower. Go
0: I got a flower. I got, flowers. So got... I forgot. I
4: have a cherry blossom.
0: Yeah. All right.
4: So that's three, right? That's a pretty good contingency. <laughs> okay, good, good. So what about water? Like Japanese water, wushi stuff?
0: Waves. we
4: I've got some here and some
0: there. <laughs> Jim, you got that. Mike's got that. Ooh,
3: I think so. Rich, you I haven't. Can't wave- see, it's on my back. I think I got all the things. But yeah, I can't really Rich, see. you
0: haven't raised your hand yet.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any. Oh, I don't have any either.
0: Uh, all right, name another can, one. Let's see if around. we can keep going. Oh, no, I don't
4: after a while. You know, oh. it's like pokey things. Tri- so you know,
0: tribal. I got tribal tattoo right here. Tribal, tribal. All right. Yeah, I got that. <laughs>
4: But not oh, I like this big game. Pacific Island Tribal. I have a birthmark.
0: Oh, Jim just got whacked on the head by a cat through something. An on anchor!
2: Him. Holy <laughs> shit! There's an anchor
0: here. See that? Oh, nautical theme. Nautical theme. Check. There you go. Oh wait. No, I've got nautical fame. I got a lobster. That's nautical. There we I'm go. Not, yeah, this can go on for oh like my a year God. while
4: you're getting paid at work though. I mean, not that Who's I ever did it? this in Tennessee for wait, the Does
0: gears. anyone have a motorcycle
4: tattoo? Yeah, I got a goofy chopper. Let me get the pants on.
2: I couldn't com- I I couldn't commit. I like them all and I feel like if I got one, it would uh, There we
0: go.
2: I I just can't make that kind of a commitment because I'm always like, changing up bikes and riding and, and it's like, it's just putting a bike that I like on there, I like so many different ones, I could never do that. That's like yeah.
4: saying you're never going to get a tattoo because you don't like anything enough. And how many stupid tattoos do we have?
0: Rick, does this one count? I got yeah. flames up my arm and it says Motard pour la vie.
5: The
4: mandatory bike <laughs> set. that. that yep, I you're think in. you misspelled it.
0: Do you know what that yeah. means? Motard pour la vie?
5: It's the most beautiful
4: Biker for life?
0: Biker for life. I like it. En français. That cuz I didn't I didn't want to say biker for life cuz that's Harley trash. I just sure, this, sure. this is your road trash.
1: Make your script. So, <laughs> um so my question is is does my script on my bicep count as a motorcycle tattoo because it's the script from the frame. Yeah, of course. From the triangle.
0: Right? So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is a fun game. Ooh, I, yeah, ooh, we'll have to come up with this sometime.
4: It's a thing, and, Tattoo like, we bingo. had a board, and we made a matrix, and it was taped under the stairs, and we would add... I'm talking, like, how many flowers do you have? Okay, 57, like some people I was working with. So we it would take a while to count these, and we'd have judges. We had auxiliary counters we were borrowing the porters for. I shouldn't incriminate myself anymore, more <laughs> than an employee, but... What's the, very what's
1: the, what's the genital nudity involved?
4: You have to ask Emma. We had to go for yeah. all the tattoos, all of them.
1: Well, when you say judging, I've got this. I've, I've got this vision of all these bikers <laughs> standing completely naked in the back of a shop, looking at each other's genitalia, checking for tattoos. That <laughs> happened, didn't it? Tell me that happened. Because well,
4: you know, it, I unfortunately <laughs> was not quite rolling with the same caliber of tattooed people, so it would be a long party. <laughs> but you know. I'm pretty sure we would have. Are you thinking like the really cute bathroom towel of the little boy and the little girl? And the little girl looks at the boy and he says, no, you can't touch it. You broke yours off. Yes. Something yeah. like that. Totally. Yeah, I'm okay. with you. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, okay. it wasn't that
0: bad. Continuing on. Emma, what are you hoping Tattoo's to get for Christmas? For Christmas? Yeah. Um. Well, you know, this year I'm accumulating all
1: stuff for my shop so um shop stuff oh, Yeah.
0: you know shop stuff i need shop to help stuff. you with that yeah i have some
4: things and or stuff for you
1: yeah you know and it's like you everyone knows that you know there's stuff you need for a shop but um you know stuff kind of falls into my lap you know one of my old clients came to me um, yesterday, And he said, you know, I found in the back of my garage, I've got all these workshop manuals. Would you like them? And I said, yeah, sure. Yeah. And so he drops them off. And they're all factory workshop manuals from BSAs and Triumphs from the 1960s. Oh, no
5: sure!
1: I'm like, oh, <laughs> screw. Good
4: job. And <laughs> <laughs> my library.
1: Ooh. So, yeah, my my uh, workshop library is, is getting big. And, you know, it's stuff like I would love a tire machine spin balancer, but that's like three grand right there for a decent one, and I'm not sure yet. You know, so mm. we'll figure it out. All right, all right. But shop stuff. I shop hope stuff. I hope Santa <laughs> brings me shop stuff. I hope right. He
3: brings you a new exhaust for that Trident. <laughs> really? Right? What was what, what was the exhaust for the Rayguns?
1: Well,
3: yeah. I
1: I just. Jim, I can't justify a thousand bucks for a pair of mufflers. No, that's
0: why you asked Santa. Just, that's
1: why you Santa. Santa. Yeah, I know. He'll I'm mine.
0: The-
4: Wait, have All you been right. naughty and you're seeing ahead that you're going to get shut down and preemptively neglecting yourself these mufflers? Yes. Emma, I'm disappointed. <laughs> you cut that shit out right <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Eat the
1: cheesecake. Buy the mufflers. Make it Okay, happen. thank you. Thank you, darling. I will. All
0: right. <laughs> All right. Bagel, how about you? What are you hoping Santa brings you? Okay, bagel. <laughs> microphone. Wi Fi. Better have, internet. Bagel needs
1: Wi-Fi. <laughs> Bandwidth?
0: <laughs> All right.
1: Let's
0: yeah. Yeah, better better fi That's definitely what you need to work. He, he about.
1: does. He sounds quite robotic, doesn't he? What I really need oh, is a so
0: so Are up. you got to? All right, go ahead, Mike. What 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 do you want? What do you hope in um, Santa I brings I want
2: you? to uh, I want to put a narrow front end on the FX STC. Ooh. Cuz it's like the bike's so streamlined, but then just that big wide glide front end on it is just so ugly and and I thought I could live with it but I can't. And it, Is it a
4: 39 I, or 41 mil, the tubes? 41. Um, have you seen those Mullins trees? I have. Super easy way to do it. And I've seen them mounted a bajillion times. Like, you yeah. her to come up on. Like, they come and go. You got to kind of keep an eyeball out, like the runs of them and stuff. Yeah. But, I don't know. As a product, you, you know, I'll back that. I've seen people running them. The internal fork top setup's cool, too. You can run it in yeah. your neck. Up, and then everything's, like, super tidy. They come yeah. in, like, a. the non-polished finish and you could just buff the snot out of it and it almost looks like chrome
2: super easy. yeah and i'd probably like want to cha- do the um i'd probably do the bearings while i'm at it yeah right um and just you know it probably goes i don't know i'm gonna go over on the forks for sure
0: like a four i'm gonna like,
2: get them up like the no probably probably eight that's a boy
0: eight over. what
4: i did okay. an eight over on a shovel head once and it was super awesome to dance with the stock rake on the frame
2: and how it sat yeah i just yeah because i love the way it looks on the shovel head and and it just it's so sleek and so pretty and and our, the blue bike is gorgeous bike but it's just out front it's just it doesn't it just doesn't Are you a
4: brake on it on the front yeah uh,
2: a yeah. single side on that one right yeah 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 yeah, yeah i'll you just still afford to narrow it up for sure it looks yeah incredible. and the only pro- probably the only all that shit, right? The only difficult thing to do is to figure out the kickstand.
5: <laughs>
4: you know what That's what the mean? exciting part. Well, Emma can uh, testify to a torch can make a kickstand do whatever you need it to do.
2: That's what I was thinking. It only oh, needs yeah. to be longer. I just need it to go down lower.
4: Yeah. I worked at a shop and we had a heat inductor. Like the bolt buster things, the coil, and it comes out, you poke the button and it gets red hot so you don't, like, no. set your car on fire. Um, That was rad. You could wrap it around, like, quarter inch or even half inch, like, steel rod and it'd be mm-hmm. enough. So by yourself you can sit there and dick around in a vice and like get stuff worked. Yeah. That was kind of cool instead of like torching shit and messing around. Yeah. Wait, I need to ask Santa for one of those. Hey Santa.
0: <laughs> <thing>. oh. <laughs> All right. R1 Rich. What are you hoping Santa brings you?
6: Well, I need a new jacket, so that's what I'm hoping.
0: Oh, come on down to the garage. We got so many <laughs> so much gear down here.
6: I tried um, um, what is it? First gear, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not real happy with it, but it's okay. So I might try another jacket.
0: Now, do you prefer leather or um, not leather? Textile. Textile, and you like a half helm, half not a three quarter, right?
2: Yes, he's a leather daddy.
6: <laughs> well, textile daddy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But uh, that's about it. I, I got all. I'm wanted for Christmas in June with my 2020 R1.
0: That's right.
6: Nice.
0: Yeah. For people who don't know, Rich, you get a new R1 every so often. How many have you gone through?
6: Let me count them four, eight, ten. Wait, you started five. at four. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's great. great. No, I said 04. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, whenever they have a, a something new, you have to get it.
6: Yes, wow. I do. I'm I'm addicted. I'm sorry.
0: Well, and for you, it actually makes sense because you maintain your bikes so impeccably and they're so clean. You'll have a four year old bike that looks brand new, even though you've ridden it to Texas. I mean, which is crazy. Um, yeah. And so you get pretty good resale value on your bikes. I would assume.
6: Uh. Well. Not when I saw him to Mike Lopez. He's a <laughs> Not
0: nice to guy. friends and family. <laughs>
6: <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's nice to keep it in the family, you know. I get to see it every once in a while. You got visitation, that's good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is the original blue one still around?
6: Yes. Uh the 04 is with uh, Robert Agger's son-in-law in Carson City. Wow. And he's he's he had it as a street bike for years. Now he's turning it into a track bike. So it's still kicking. And that thing, I put 50,000 miles on it, and he's rode it for another years, and now he's going to make it a track bike, and thing's still strong as hell. So
0: We, we just can't talk into trying anything else, huh?
6: Uh, you know, I, every once in a while I get the urge to do something else, but you know, I just like the R1. I, you know, I think I've been riding them so long, I my body's conformed
3: to the
0: frame. <laughs> it's molded to it.
3: Like binding. Uh, well, <laughs> just the fact that you rode that thing all the way to Texas for for MotoGP just blows my mind. Yeah, your body is molded to that thing now. Wow. Well,
1: <laughs> you know there's yeah. a there, there's actually a lot to like about r1s i mean i've been i've been dicking around with them since they were thunder aces i guess um and they, i mean they're a good bike and it's funny that the r6 is the world's most uncomfortable sport bike <laughs> i mean it's tiny it's cramped it's just like it, it, it's ergonomically, it's a nightmare for me. But the R1 for a sport bike is a big, roomy bike.
6: Yes, it is. You know, <laughs> um, you know um, it, more so it was than a than ZX10. It was a little uncomfortable going for days straight and flat. I was bored stiff. The reason is my the guy I was riding with, my neighbor Hugh, he had a. S1000 with cruise control. And there was no speed difference either. It was just straight, flat, and same speed for days. Right. God, I was going nuts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I must admit... I was just st- riding through Texas. Yeah. <laughs> right. That was just West Texas. Yeah. From a style point of view, the 07 is my absolute hands-down favorite. It's just crushingly handsome yeah i don't think i have ever better the 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 07 in terms of style yeah, um,
2: which one is the one with the four headlights that go kind of horizontal like a bug
1: that's the 07 oh i hate
2: it's, that
5: The one. headlights <laughs>
1: always remind me of the lamar race car they kind of, they're in a that. v and they've got the four headlights in a um, it's the one that got I like it's, a really deep brace swing arm, and they're just absolutely gorgeous. They're
2: I passionately don't right? like them. Like, I don't like the Triumph Triple um, naked. I mean, I have like a, it's, it's like when I see it, I'm just like, oh my God, you bought the ticket, didn't you? Or somebody, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah well, guy. I mean, Mike, you are guy. the chopper guy. I am not the chopper guy. I'm the motorcycle. I just Dude, happen to have a You're the
0: chopper guy. Guys.
2: I just have a couple. I won one. at you know, it wouldn't. It's not my fault.
0: Mike, two is a couple. <laughs> like, two is a couple. It chose you, dog. It, three is, is a few. Fault. You just
2: started cutting.
0: Four is a game. No. How many do you have? Just started
2: cutting. <laughs> I got three. It okay. just kept breaking. That's what happened. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I. You know. Come on now. Someone's got <laughs> five wrench. Repeat. Yeah. <laughs> we, we were trying to have like the whole, the full package at the horizon. Nobody else rides droppers, so. Someone's got to do it.
0: <laughs> well, I did when they were cool.
2: Mm. Ooh. That's the yeah, thing. Mm. No, you did it when you were cool. <laughs>
0: oh.
2: Oh. That's that's well served. I'm, I'm
0: going to take that as a win that he acknowledges that I was cool at any point in my life. So yeah. that, that's a win. <laughs>
2: <No>.
4: <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah.
2: Happy holidays to you, you filthy animal. (laughs) (laughs) And have a happy new year.
0: Now, I'm curious, uh, Rich, I want to go back to your jacket, because jacket hunting is always a fun thing and i actually was also i almost popped on a um oh jim i think you've seen them the it's a climb a vented jacket because that's the one thing i need to add to my arsenal for hot days a good vented jacket all i have is my old Bates one which is kind of small for me now um and a, i mean a good vented jacket is is an asset but um rich what what brands are you particular to
6: I used to favor Tourmaster,
0: mm-hmm.
6: but uh, I, a few years ago I got one that was just not right, and so, and I you know I I crash a lot, so it, it didn't hold up very well. <laughs> so, I, I was uh, Stan recommended the uh, first gear, and I thought I'd try it, and uh, it, it's it's okay. Um, only trouble is. We rode in uh, in Sturgis a couple years ago. We went to Devil's Tower, and we're riding back, and it mm-hmm. started pouring rain. 70 miles an hour for about an hour and a half in the rain with a mesh jacket. Mm-hmm. I actually got um, hyperthermia, hypothermia, <clears throat> and that's something you don't want to get. Man, that is bad stuff. That can kill you. And it, I was just shaking oh. in control of it. Yeah,
0: no, nope. Bagel, you're just in and out today. Yeah,
6: riding at sp- at speed, you know,
2: that gives a lot of <clears> throat> Bagel's throat> captain throat> bagel's like captain yeah. data plan.
0: Bagel, unfortunately, you just cut in and out. But yes, I agree Mr. with you. Roboto. So Rich, I have a solution for that. And I'm gonna free you here because so many people try and find a jacket. Like a lot of them look for that one that has that removable liner personally i hate that that you have to take your jacket off to pull the liner put the liner in or out match up Mm -hmm. the zipper my solution um is i have for years now i buy a just a hooded windbreaker slash rain jacket you can find them i've got my last one at costco and this last one i bought is actually it's uh it's stretch fabric it's just a light little windbreaker shell you can roll it up very tight you could put it in the pocket of your jacket or under your seat and always have it I take that with me on any trip I go on because I found that and and it can fit over my big three-quarter jacket or it could fit underneath Um, I find that it's the perfect thing for wind blocking and for rain and you always have it there Jim what you got
3: well, you, you know, what's funny I was going to say is <clears throat> uh, Rick mentioned Sturgis when we were in South Dakota last uh, last summer riding mm-hmm. around, right? I, I did a couple of big long explorers and... Uh, I forgot to bring, like, warmer clothes. I thought it was going to be warm. And on your recommendation, we went to a little outdoor store in Custer, South Dakota, and I got a waterproof zip-up hooded jacket. And I'd always been resistant to it because I was like, the hood's going to fill up with air, or it's just like, no. But I didn't really have a choice. And I tell you, that little windbreaker, uh, waterproof, saved my ass because you can pack it up really small. And I was heading west towards, I guess that's Wyoming, right? Whatever's Mm -hmm. west and out at a gas station middle of nowhere and then out of the blue it just started pouring rain and it wasn't going to let up i'm like i got to get to a camp you know wherever i'm going to camp that night um i threw on that simple little raincoat over top everything and it saved my ass kept me super warm i, I was i was really surprised how well something that simple worked so the, other gonna, comm- the other thing i was gonna mention Rick, which is i had good luck with Tourmaster stuff too my commuter jacket is a Tourmaster, probably four years old now and one zipper doesn't work in you know, a pocket or something. But other than that, it, it's held up pretty well. So right. I do like the Tourmaster stuff, too.
0: Yeah. There you go.
6: Sorry. I have a Christmas joke for y'all. Uh, why don't you pick a fight with Santa Claus? Um. Oh. Because
3: I won't get that KTM 350 Enduro. <laughs>
6: <laughs> he has a black belt. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
3: oh,
2: oh, gotcha.
5: <laughs> All right,
2: I got I, a joke. I got a joke. I, you want to hear it?
1: Yeah, I'd love to hear your joke. Do we have Mike, a choice? Then I have a joke.
2: All right, okay. here's my joke. Ready?
5: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Well, this guy's driving up the road, right? And he gets, he's lights behind him and, he, and he, it's, he gets getting pulled over. So he pulled over to the side of the road. The cop gets out of the car, walks up to the side of the car. And looks in to say license and registration, he sees in the guy's passenger seat. He's got a bunch of ropes and knives and fire and shit. Get yes, and he freaks out and he says, pulls his gun, and he says, step out of the car. The guy says, "Listen, officer, you don't understand. I'm a performer. These are my tools of my trade. I says, Step out of the car, sir. So he steps out of the car, and as he's getting out, he starts juggling his knives, right? And the cop's sitting there still with the gun on the hand. But he steps back a little bit now he's a little bit intrigued and he's like wait 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 let me show you another one so he grabs a unicycle and starts unicycling around the car on the side of the freeway flipping the knives flipping the knives now the guy puts the gun back in his uh his pocket there and he says to the guy um you know my daughter's birthday's coming up you know this is fantastic you had a business card he's like but wait let me show you the grand finale he grabs the gas can starts drinking gas down he's blowing fire flipping knives you know rolling around the car the same time two other guys drive up the freeway talking and they look over and they see this you know on the side of the road here and the one guy says the other guy says man i'm glad i stopped drinking you see the dwi checkpoints
5: <laughs> Uh-oh.
2: Uh-oh. 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 Ooh. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Not a showstopper, but, you know, to get you there.
1: <laughs> Meat and potatoes.
2: Yeah.
0: Emma, you said you have a joke?
1: No, I have a joke, and it's, it's, it's in a very similar vein. And um, so this this old guy's driving home, and he gets pulled over by the cops. And the the old man winds down his window. And the cop says, well, where are you going in such a hurry? And the old man says, I am going to a lecture on the evils of drink, the bad health of smoking, and the evils of bad food. And the cop said, well, who would be giving such a lecture at this time of night? The old man said, that would be my wife.
2: Okay, I got another one. You ready? Oh
0: God! Yeah,
2: no, we're, we're, no, no, it's a good one, Liza. It's a good one. Ready? All right. This guy's, this kid's family goes to the grandparents' house for a holiday, and uh, they, the, everybody finishes eating, and uh, grandpa goes outside to smoke a cigar, and the little grandkid runs out and wants to sit down next to him. He's grandpa, grandpa, let me smoke this cigar, and he looks over to him. He says, "Does your dick touch your asshole?" And the kid's like, "What?" And he's like no and he's like you're not old enough go back inside so he goes back inside all upset or whatever they all you know grandpa comes out a little while later with a glass of wine and he's drinking it and the kid comes running out it's grandpa grandpa let me try the wine and he's like does your dick touch your asshole he's like no he's like well you're not old enough get back inside and grandpa comes back out again um with another cigar and just goes through the same process he says hey can i puff it now He's like, "Did you take out your asshole?" No. And we'll go back inside. And now the kid's just pissed. So he goes in. and He says, "Mom, uh, can I get some milk and cookies?" She's like, "Of course, of course. Just eat it outside. We don't get the crumbs on the floor." So kid goes outside. He's you know eating the cookies, drinking the milk. Grandpa comes out and he's like, "Ooh, I love cookies. Can I get one?" And the kid says, "Does you take out your asshole?" And he's like, "Of course it does. I'm 80. And the kid says, "Go fuck yourself, then."
5: <laughs> oh. <laughs>
2: showing <laughs> Bam Mic drop it's our family show It oh <laughs> was earlier <laughs> look, look Liza Look hey. Liza's shuffling her papers like she's on channel 2 news
0: Thank you for that uh, Christmas uh, Christmas special um, Hey you guys I've got some Emails I want to read um, And this one Let's see our first one is from Gus Who is A new listener hey Gus Hey, he what's says, up, says,
1: uh, Hey is Ms. That Fitz. Gustavo?
0: <clears throat> this is Gus Gustavo from Massachusetts. Long. And I found your podcast in September of this year, and I'm absolutely addicted. I'm already on episode 129 in just three months. Well, boy, if you're only on 129, you've got plenty to go, and it just keeps getting better. He says I listen to you guys while I'm driving around delivering pizza, so I have plenty of time. And I hope sometime I'll be able to ride out and see you all. I currently have an 3 Suzuki Savage. Good bike. Mike had one, an FZ6R, uh, and he's restoring an '83 Goldwing. Also restoring his grandfather's '73 Sportster, which is 100% oh, original, including the stock pipes. Those right. are worth money. And right. he says my up the butt bike would have to be either a KTM 1290 Super Duke or a Honda CB. X both good choices. It says ride safe, everyone. I hope I'll be able to hear you mention my email when I catch up. <laughs> so in like our, a minute. that'll oh, be in uh, June. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? One thing I love about this list: um, uh, Suzuki Savage and FZ6R, an '83 Goldwing, and a '73 Sportster. Like to me, good spread. That's exactly. Yeah. I love the only thing you need. And I'm sure Began will back me up. You got (laughs) to throw a scooter in there. A 73 shovel head. Throw throw a scooter in there and you'll have the perfect, the perfect collection.
2: Vespa Rally 200.
0: There you go. So did you
1: know that there's a giant warehouse there where um, they keep all the dentures in the world? Did you know that? Dentures? Yes, what? It's, it's a it's it's a massive shoe sets.
0: Yeah, you walked right sorry. into that, Rich. Uh, <laughs> <sorry>. Good job. <laughs> all right, I got another one. Also from Massachusetts. This is from my friend Dan. Where he says, got
1: the "Warehouse with all the
0: <laughs> Yes, exactly. Says, "Hello, <laughs> misfits." <laughs> Uh, he says first thing first Boston accent practiced by saying kid cash or wicked and sax. There you go. Yeah, you got to go down get to the, back. the
1: accent. Yeah. Your this is your again. best mate from yes. Boston. Pack-y. S- 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 what, was,
0: what was the name again? Uh, Jim you you switched uh, your mic turned off your bluetooth. Oh, what okay. was the
3: name again? Name on the email? Dan. Dan, all right, cool. Uh,
0: he says, um, "Love the podcast. Found it through the Ride series a couple years ago. So entertaining and informative. Makes me wish I lived on the West Coast just so I could stop by the garage." Uh, big thank you to Miss Emma for sending out stickers. My kids love them. My ten-year-old, oh, my ten-year-old, put the Emma sticker on his toolbox. I love hearing that. Nice. Yes, nice. And he, cool. he helps me work with the bike and more and uh, I hope her new shop gallery stores all the success darling. My dad got me my first toolbox when I was five. Awesome. Yes, I was very proud of that. I was the only I, kid who was like mine. pulling out my toolbox and changing out handlebars and stuff on my on my little Schwinn. He says, "Um, I have a suspension question that uh, came up uh, during the episode we, when we were talking on suspension." He says, "I'm a big guy. I'm six foot four, three hundred and twenty pounds, riding a 2020 V-Strom 650 XT Adventure. I love the bike. Perfect uh, combination of reliability, price, and I even think it looks good. I use it for commuting all summer and some fun side trips. So obviously, the bike was not made to support my girth." But it's not doing too bad. I'm wondering if changing the rear spring to a heavier spring would be enough or if I need to replace the whole shock. And he's, he's priced it out. A spring would be about 130 bucks. whole shock would be about 1000 uh, And then front springs and oil would follow.
2: He's a girth princess.
0: Oh, jeez uh his previous bike was a suzuki boulevard m50 uh which was kind of small uh for him but it was a great first bike uh he finally sold that bike with eighty-seven thousand miles on it so we know he's going to put miles on his bike rode it up mount washington a month before i sold it bike was indestructible so um what do you guys think does he have to can he replace just a spring or yeah
1: just put a spring on it
2: Uh, it yeah yeah, wouldn't he have to do the uh, uh, b- bigger springs on the front end um, and lower the, weight oil? Yeah. For the, well, for remind,
1: the I, I, I must admit, I was a tiny bit distracted. What bike is it?
0: 2020 V Strom 650 XT Adventure.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're quite stiff on the front end, anyway. So no, he just he he needs to re-spring the back. If he just if he does just a spring job on the back, there's plenty of damping available. I think it might have a, a remote reservoir as well. So um, yeah, he'll be fine. Just put a freaking spring on it and get himself down the road. They're a great bike.
0: I think the the answer is, and we said this in our suspension setup. Go into your local shop and ask. Who's the local suspension guy? Yeah, he's going to be the one with the answer. Don't ask your shop; ask for a suspension guy, right? Right, Rich, you were here for uh, you came by for our suspension setup, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So you know uh, they're they're out there. It's not that expensive, um, but they're going to tell you exactly what they want. But uh, Dan was nice enough to also include in his email a little Boston trivia. You guys want to try this out? All right. Oh, yeah. So, what is another word for a bubbler? A what? A bubbler. A hookah? A bubbler. A bubbler. Bubbler.
6: Water pipe. Wait, I'm in the wrong wheelhouse. Wait a minute. That's, <laughs> a, that's a Boston accent for a common Bubla. word. Bubla.
3: A bubbler. What's a bubbler? I don't know. I pass. It's a soda?
0: A water fountain it's Let's a bubbler over, there you go oh a bubbler oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right what, what's a malt a shake exactly a milkshake with and milk milkshake. um so he says thank you for all the entertainment education especially as the nights go longer and the temperatures plummet here in the northeast thank you very much dan for sending that in and just remember cool the best deals on motorcycles are right now. I always say best deal I ever got on a bike yeah. was a a CX five hundred that I had to pull out of a snowbank. They yeah. they were moving in January. Nobody wanted to come over there. I did. I got a good deal on it.
4: The intersection nice. of desperation and cold weather. I like it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this next one is from. Jeremy and he says greetings misfits from snow-covered New Hampshire says almost two years ago I wrote to profess my love for the 1971 CB504 and to solicit some advice for a good stablemate well I've loved my Honda for over 10 years and I wrote it around the country in 2010 Wow. Commuted to work. I've taken many overnight trips around New England. I've taken it to many bike shows, uh, the DGR, etc. It's well balanced, fun with vintage charm, yet modern enough that it's easy to live with. So, for a stable mate, I wanted something a little roomier for two up, more modern and easy to live with, but old enough that I can maintain it. And it had to be interesting. So, I considered many bikes in the sporty standard, sport touring, roadie ADV categories. And I ended up finding, drumroll please, a 1998 Ducati ST2 in gray with factory luggage, Corbin seat, Ferracci pipes, and some other upgrades. I bought it from the second owner, who was good with with the maintenance, and paid twenty five hundred dollars, which I thought was a good deal given our current bike market. What, Rich? What do you think about that? Twenty five hundred bucks for an ST2?
6: If he wants to maintain a Ducati with Desmo and valve, trains, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> a lifestyle motorcycle, right?
0: Yeah. Well, he says and
6: belts. He says,
0: until now, I'd only ridden more modern Ducatis at demo days. The ST2 is rougher in a charming sort of way. It handles great. Wife loves a roomy seat. The luggage is awesome, and I think it looks nice. Plus, it's got plenty of power without the pants-warming insta-speed of a modern Ducati Multistrada. And, oh, that sound... I got to say, I'm loving this thing. I loved it a little less when I had to take the fairing off to get to the battery. And maybe I'll have no love when I do my first belt and valve maintenance. There you go, Rich. But I'm familiar with vehicles that require a relationship. My daily driver is a 22-year-old sob. Well, pfft. (laughs) there you go i mean that you should have just told us that from the beginning that's
3: very new hampshire like yeah i will say
0: by the way i'm still loving my old honda and i'm still faster on it through the tight twisties wow and there's something about that whir of power you get when you roll on the throttle around 55 to 60 miles per hour is that the creaminess emma talks about with carbureted four-cylinder bikes (laughs) Hmm. So Liza, I know you think I'm making a mistake, but I'm blinded by young love. And time will tell if this Italian bike will become a fixture in my life the way my old Honda has. I've attached a picture of the missus and me on the new ride and my two stable mates parked outside. Thank you for all you do. My bikes are now tucked away in a shed, buried in snow. So please keep taking rides and telling them, uh, telling us about them on your podcast. So yeah, he's got the, the ST2. Um, I mean, we talked about this before buying bikes of that era, like BMWs and Ducatis. There's going to be an ouch. There's always going to be an ouch. I mean, doesn't mean you can't love them as long as you're willing to put in the work. And, um, I mean, that's the thing, willing to put in the work. If you got to take it to a mechanic, ooh, right? of
6: ownership. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. But I mean... Yeah. I'm glad yeah, there's you have somebody there. That... a
6: good mechanic for sure. <clears throat> yeah,
0: I'm glad there's somebody there to love it. I I mean, I've eyed some of those ST2s also. I've never ridden one. Have any of you guys ridden one of the ST2s? Yeah. Yeah. What what'd you think of it? Go ahead, Emma. Um God.
1: I got to be honest with you. I'm 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 not a fan of either newer or older Ducatis they are they're quite a lot coarser than you think they're gonna be Um, I, I agree the the thing to remember about Ducatis is all the belt driven Ducatis are built from the 500 Panther of 1978 and so the bigger they get the coarser they get and that was true for a long, long, long time until they started developing the newer engines, um, and you know that ST2, they're kind of herky and jerky, and it's it's definitely an experience. But um, I can see why he likes it; it's characterful. But you know, for all their faults, if you were to get on a British bike. The power delivery is very, very smooth. Um, the the handling is very, very easy. Um, they're actually, once you get past the appalling brakes, they're actually very pleasant places to be. You've got to work a little harder with the Ducati. Um, maybe I just didn't give it enough time. You know, it, you've just got to spend more time with it. But um, I serviced the ST2s, 3s, 4s a lot of ducatis from that vintage and they all seem to be the same. Um You know, it's, it's, it's a very kind of crude affair.
0: Well, there you go. I, I mean, I really loved my, uh, super sport, my 990 super sport, that rumble. Ooh, that was yeah. a cool bike, but I just don't like being folded up in half to get on a bike anymore. That's the thing. But you know what, Rich? I get the same thrill out of my um, tr- my uh, KTM. That twin. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it.
6: I agree with Emma, though. The the Ducati is is not smooth. It rattles and shakes. <laughs> but it sure sounds good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know.
6: Quite a machine. Yeah.
0: Nice. Well, well, you wanted
3: something interesting, right? There you go. Yeah. It's well, different for sure.
0: Well, guys, right. um Uh, we're coming up to time to wrap it up i want to you know i want to wish everyone a happy holiday i hope bagel i hope you get your better wi-fi by then
5: (laughs) are you on the good list list or the bad
2: list (laughs) obvious i don't know it's (laughs) service
4: service options are limited here
0: oh
4: is that just for scooter trash like you or
0: (laughs) oh man i'm
1: Oh, he's well, turned he into Mr. Roboto again. Bigel,
0: try, have you tried wearing a tinfoil hat? It might work.
2: Yeah, he oh sounds God. like Stephen Hawkins.
4: <laughs> or not. <laughs>
2: Doesn't he sound like Stephen Hawkins? <laughs> I'll be, I'll be that. about the universe. i origin. Tin foil next time. Overdial
4: on a riddled laptop at a public Ooh. Wi-Fi spot.
2: That might that work better. <laughs> Stephen Hawkins. Hey, stop being I'll so cheap and pir- pirating your fucking Wi-Fi from your neighbors. Just Get your own
4: fucking wireless. <laughs> okay, quit riding over to Starbucks and making it happen. Yeah. We appreciate it, but like, come on.
5: Like, what else are
0: you talking there's about? There's I'm there's paying
2: fifty bucks a month for this service. Yeah, Wait, your teeth, you're paying fifty listen. bucks a month? <laughs> right?
0: See, I don't know what's worse: Bagel's internet yeah. or Mike getting yelled at by his wife. Than we can all hear. You like that? Um, (laughs) I miss Bagel's accents. (laughs) I know. But you guys, we normally, this is the time of year that we always have a Misfits Christmas party. And we've had some epic parties at Mike's house, at Jim's house. We've had some good times. Um, But because of COVID, we're not going to be having it. But I just want you all to know that uh, our next show, number 400, this is the one we're building up, up to i've got everyone's gift uh next show uh you'll see and uh, i think it's going to be a bit of a party as well i can't wait to surprise everyone uh with the show next week oh yeah rick you have no idea nice i'm excited no idea
2: i I know what the surprise is I was excited.
0: <laughs> so, um, I think let's. I think it's 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 time uh, to get out of there. Big thanks to all of our listeners. I hope everyone is enjoying the holidays. Uh, and just remember, if you're out riding, you know, if you're lucky enough to have good enough weather to ride right now, dial it back, take it easy. That's all I have to say. And uh, Jim, three weeks. We got a plan in three weeks. Let's go hit that good dirt, man.
3: Yeah, well, um, hopefully things hold out because we've got a trip going back down to Mojave, too. Me, Mike, Charlie, a whole bunch of knuckleheads. So let's hope things improve quickly so we can get out and pair it up.
0: Yeah, exactly. So uh, just a reminder, um, go to Motorcycles and Misfits, and you can find uh, links to all the things there. Uh, People have been discovering some of our shirts and mugs. In our Zazzle store, uh, recycle, recycle Santa Cruz. Uh, there's Emma. There's been some uh, Miss Emma mugs that have been sold. I'm guessing it's going to be somebody's present under the tree, and uh, well, also
1: what, what better present is there to find under the tree than a mug <laughs> with me in bed with a motorcycle? It's the most motor-
4: sexual mug.
1: Yes, yes the motosexual oh, mug.
4: Hey Jeff, scratch all that Christmas bullshit. I need a mug.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you know, that's all anyone needs in their life.
0: And Hey Rich, thank you for joining us tonight. You know, you've, you've been in our, in and out of our show. You've, you've been here for years. You've been joining us back in the old days, even. So you are a, a true misfit and, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, I think. On well, the you even rich
3: is. used Rich's house for uh, videos, didn't you?
0: <laughs> yes, that's right.
6: It I haven't it. shown I haven't shown Lopez that video yet. I don't think he'll like <laughs> <Yeah>. it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Rick, if you've seen the uh, film that Mike and I made, uh, Motosexual, Sexual," it was filmed at Rich's garage using his bike.
4: I'm gonna dive in. I gotta catch up.
0: Oh, dude. <laughs> Dude, just yeah. make sure you have some of that uh that that oil that you're not allergic to that you're oh, referring to.
4: yes appropriate lubrication um, <laughs> i'll let emma use some for that little mic boom too when i'm done
1: <laughs> yes i need some for me
0: and if you always if you run out just remember crisco does the job there you go <laughs> things How you learn you know. castro street baby
4: and <laughs> uh, in doubt, Crisco it out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you learn lots of stuff in San Francisco. Fact. You just never know when it'll come in handy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Unintended.
0: Uh, so, um, yeah. On that note, thank you guys, and thank you, Misfits, for for sticking around too. I think we're ready to get out of here. This is Liza.
2: This is Mike. It's- there you, go. Rick.
0: I'm a Rick. <laughs> It's Emma, darling. (laughs) And we are out of here. Cool, Cool, cool. Cool, cool.